Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, you want to hear something new? You want to hear something different? Something that doesn't start with the letter X? Well, we got something here, and if you've hit play, you probably know what it is. It's a little show that we're calling To the Choir. And this is, of course, episode one, and we're going to be talking about a book that, uh, well, one of us knows a lot about, and the other one of us doesn't know a damn thing about. And this puts me in the very odd position of being a brand new reader to a book from the 90s, which that just doesn't happen very often. So to help guide me through this uh, run of uh, of Preacher is my good friend Dave, who uh, has read Preacher over and over again and uh, knows more about it than than I do. So he will be helping us out here. How you doing, Dave? I am very good. I'm happy to be working with you again, although <laughs> you give me some veteran cred here. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, I think over the last two decades, I probably mm. burned enough brain cells to send a baboon to an Ivy League school. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have, in fact, read this book multiple times, but um, I'm really looking forward to the reread mm-hmm. with you and kind of you know seeing uh, how you like it through fresh eyes. Certainly, certainly. And we were talking a little bit off the air here that while this is my first time reading it, this is your first time reading it in a while. So mm. you're like in uh you're in a different different mindset, different stage of life than you were the last time you read yeah. it here. So <laughs> I'm a, thinking it's <laughs> a nice way of saying I'm old. You're well, like an old man both. now. Yeah. Yeah. True. I, I'm catching up to you. I'm, I'm mm. catching up to you. But uh Sorry. but I think this is a book here like a lot of the 90s Vertigo Fair. I think it's something that you'll receive very very differently from when you read it as a teenager to when you read it as someone who uh has to do their own laundry and has to pay their own mortgage and has mm. to uh and has has children of their own. I think it's a uh the Vertigo books are very much of their time, especially of this era. So I think this is going to be very eye-opening and seeing how uh, how well how well or how differently you receive this this time around. And as for me, receiving it the first time and uh yeah. I think uh, this is a book that, like I said, uh, this was all over the place in the 90s here. Uh, I first heard about it. Well, I mean, I'm sure I saw it at the shop here, but Wizard absolutely loved this book. Wizard would not shut up about this book. Right. Like if Wizard was sitting next to you on like a train or in an elevator or something, you'd <laughs> you'd want to like beat their heads against the wall with how much they talk about this. It's yeah. Like, we talk about something that isn't Preacher. And so uh, that's where I found out a lot about what little I know about Preacher. You know, um, the guy with the slit on his head, the guy with the face all squished up. You know, whoa, those whoa, those whoa, scenes. Whoa. Don't get ahead mm-hmm. of yourself here. We're still only on issue one. This is we're not even there yet, actually. Yeah, yeah right. So, uh, <laughs> but th- but those are the things that you that Wizard would love to share, and oh, they yeah. would uh, and they would add in their you know top ten you know craziest scenes lists and oh, all yeah. that kind all of all the time. Yeah. So. Before we get into the issue itself here, when did you start reading Preacher? When did you first discover this book? You know, it's interesting how you had just mentioned that reading it now in really a different phase of my life, uh, <laughs> who I was then in the 90s, early 2000s compared to now, I'm speaking like polar opposites <laughs> of a person. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, back then, I was really into, I call it my Bukowski phase. <laughs> I enjoyed drinking and boozing and having a good time and all the uh, fun and not so. Let it kill you. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, and now 
I am just this domesticated man hearing me roar where <laughs> the most exciting thing I do all day is like picking my kid up from Taekwondo class. You sure. know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, anyway, back to then, I remember seeing this on the racks in the comic book shop and it got my interest. I mean, back then in the late nineties, I was kind of going also then through a tra- transitional phase where, I, you know, Everybody seems to go through that period where they were really into comics as a kid, then they mm. fell out of it, and then they got back into it. So Preacher was kind of hitting right when I was coming back to the whole comic scene. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it was something I was checking out sporadically on occasion. Then the comic book shop I went to didn't offer a pull list or a subscription box. Okay. So if it wasn't available on the shelf, you weren't getting it. Mm-hmm. That was it. But uh, the themes, the concepts, things like that really – uh appealed to me at sure. that point in time so this was 1995 uh so you would have been 17 18 yep i was a Perfect. senior in high school that's right kind of stretching my legs out adventuring <laughs> across the i want to say globe but it's more just the uh northeastern united states there you go <laughs> so when this came out i was uh i was 15 so i'm not that far behind you but stop uh, bragging stop hey, doing yeah. that <laughs> come on <laughs> You see all the silver in my hair right now. It's <laughs> glorious. You're it's a silver cool. fox. That's what I you am. are. I am. Either that or a gray goose. I'm not sure. You, well, here's what's even worse is I got no hair. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm not too far behind you. And yada, yada, yada. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then I got gray, beautiful, luscious locks. And I'm like, it's nah, it, is nah. it sucks. <laughs> what am I uh, living when, for? When this came out, uh, the cover date here is April 1995 for this first issue. So... I'm thinking that I was still going to the comic shop, but I was only buying things with uh, with X's in the title. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, either right before or right at the start of the Age of Apocalypse, which I mean, I was all in on that. So that's where my money was going. That's where my uh, you know my two dollar lunch money every day was uh, was going to was going to the X books. I really wasn't jumping across to the other side of the table, not even for plain old DC, much less. You know, the mature readers line, which um, I mean, I I was certainly a mature reader, but uh, I was just never this didn't appeal to me just yet. I hadn't reached that phase in my life just yet. I think probably a a year or two later when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old is when I started to take notice of uh, of the Vertigo stuff um, and started, you know, in earnest collecting whatever I could that was currently out. Of course, I mean, we're still in like the last gasps of the speculator era here where you just said that your shop didn't have a pull list. There's no pull system for your shop there. They didn't need it yet. You know, books were still kind of selling. So they weren't uh, trying to entice us with discounts and pull lists just yet. And a lot of places that did offer pull lists, well, that was a, uh, that was a service you paid for, you know, you paid X amount of dollars a month or X amount of dollars a year for the privilege of them holding your books and for the peace of mind that you're not going to miss the next hot book. So the worm had not quite turned just yet. Now you've read most of these through single issues or through the trades. No, most of them were through the trades because okay. uh, as I mentioned, when it was hard to get some of the issues, sure. I would actually look back and try to hit the bins to find them. Mm-hmm. But by then uh, some of the earlier issues were hot. Oh, sure. And, sure. uh, Thanks to Wizard. (laughs) Yeah, largely thanks to Wizard. Maybe some of the listeners might also recall that comic shops, when you go to the bins and something was uh, a little bit pricey, they'd Mm -hmm. have a photocopy in a bag and board 
mm-hmm. and you'd have to bring that photocopy up to the counter to actually get that issue. And that's where some of those early issue of Preacher mm-hmm. was at that point in time. It was like, oh, no, you, you can't even touch these things, okay? Oh, yeah. You, no, it was, like redeeming, it was like redeeming the coupon at Toys R Us for a video game. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had the yeah. little coupon that you had to bring yeah. to that, like, cage, and they would let you have your game. I, I know that... Uh, at the shops I went to, they didn't even put a photocopy in there. It was just a uh, a backing board with the word written on it. Oh, really? <laughs> in a, in a bag. And it's like uh, it's like yes, uh, preacher number one and a uh, little price tag there or whatever. It's silly times for sure. Um, now I don't own any of the trades for this. Uh-huh. And when we talked about starting this project, I know that uh, there's a local used record shop here that has like I mean. Preacher trades are ubiquitous, you know, in used bookstores. People bought these things, but there are so many damn printings of them, so many, you know, nicer spines on them that people just sell their old ones, get the new ones, or just get out of the get out of the uh, hobby and just sure. sell their stuff. Right. So I know there's at least a half dozen preacher preacher volume ones at this record shop, and they're probably at most five dollars. So I'm like, ah, maybe I'll pick that up. It'll make it easier. But when we were talking, it's like, well, it might make it too easy. It might make it too easy for me to not stop where I'm supposed to stop. So uh, I'm going to do this through single issues. I don't own Preacher Number 1, the first print anyway. I own, I think, every other issue. I I found every single issue in a dime bin at a half-price books. Wow. Oh, you know, I guess this was a a day that somebody just decided to sell all their Vertigo stuff because this uh, particular dime bin was full of Sandmans. It was full of Shade the Changing Mans. It was full of Preachers. I mean, it was ridiculous how packed this thing was. And, um, of course, it was all but the first issues of of all these runs. So I was able to pick up, I mean, what does this go, 66 issues? Yep. Okay, so I was able to pick up, like, Probably 64 or 65 of them for a dime for a piece. Dime. That's insane. Oh, yeah. We just talked about photocopies, yeah. or not even photocopies, uh, the name of the series written on a bag. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now you're talking about getting them all for 10 cents. 10 cents a pop. What a honey hole. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, totally. Totally. And I was – I. the weird thing is, is uh, it was like an embarrassment of riches where I, like, saw them and I'm like – and eh, maybe I don't need them. And I, I almost didn't buy them, which is so stupid. <laughs> but mm. uh, I did. I did, but I haven't read them. Um, I did read the first issue probably 10 or so years ago when DC was putting out those dollar uh, versions of uh, of their non-Watchmen Vertigo stuff. Like that, you know, you read Watchmen, this is what you read next sort of line mm-hmm. that they had. And uh, I did read the first issue of Preacher way back in the day. And um didn't move on, didn't go on, didn't go past it. So this will be the first time that we do that, or I do that. And I want to do it through the single issues for a number of reasons. First, so I don't accidentally read on. I don't like knowing what's going to happen in the next issue while we're talking about the issue before it, because I want this to be as uh, as honest and my my theories to be as earnest and unique and, and real as possible, basically. Right. I understand so, yeah, so I'm not, uh, you know, oh, I bet this person dies in issue seven, and then lo and behold, they die in issue seven. I don't want it to be like that here. So we're going to do this as organically as possible. And also, if you listen to any of the shows on this network, you know that I love ads. I love letter pa- letters pages, all the ephemera that's included in these things. And, yeah, we'll be covering a lot of that when it happens, which is one of the reasons why it kind of stinks we didn't get the first issue and first print, because apparently – 
our man Garth Ennis uh, goes on quite a bit of an anti-PC screed in it. And uh, I think that could be a very fun thing to take apart. So if anybody listening has a first printing of the first issue and can maybe snap a picture of that page and send it our way, we would definitely appreciate it because we will cover it in a later episode. But uh, I think that's probably all the pre-ramble we got here, uh, unless you have anything to say before we hop into the issue. Yeah, uh, just to kind of keep you up to date and Mm -hmm. hip with the kids, what you were trying to avoid with Mm -hmm. the trades is something called binging. Oh. Yeah. You know, all the kids with the Nintendo games and hula hoops, that's what they uh-huh, call it. Uh-huh. Binging, where you just sit down and consume something all in one one foul swoop, which you, is... You, uh, you don't purge after that, though. No. Okay, okay. No purging, just okay. binging. Just binging. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm analog. I'm too analog for this world. But... Uh, <laughs> Oh, but, and then my, my one last note real quick certainly. is uh, just so you know, everybody's aware of it. We're too cheap to go out and buy issue one just for Garth Ennis's uh, rantings and ramblings. <laughs> because trust you me, I, I was looking around for it because I've mm-hmm. always wanted a copy. I mean, I sure. got the millennia, millennial edition there mm-hmm. that came out like 20 years ago. Sure. But uh, that's expensive now, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks, I guess. Sure. But uh, for a reprint. I know. Nuts, right? Absolutely nuts. But then when I was thinking about acquiring uh, the actual issue one, I was thinking about my wife's anger. And uh, I was like, you know, if I really want to blow anywhere from 80 to 100 bucks. Yeah. On something you've already read. (laughs) Yeah, I've already got the trade. My trade smells awesome because my trade's from the 90s, too. So, hey. And uh, so to avoid the doghouse, we're Mm. begging listeners for the letters page. Yes, that's what we do. And because I, I, I've actually done the thing where I've spent more money than I should on on an issue or a magazine just for like I, I paid like 10 bucks for an issue of Wizard just because I've had <laughs> the top 100 yes. list for uh, the first month of the uh, of the X-Men, you know, Mutant Revolution thing from 1991, like from Claremont to Claremont kickoff. I actually paid 10 bucks for the issue just to get the damn top 100 that I could have found anywhere. I could have just Googled it and found it, but I needed to own it because I'm that's just me. But with all that out of the way here, how about we talk a little bit about Preacher number one, which had an Let's April 19. Oh, yes. That an 18, that. April 1995 cover date. The story is called The Time of the Preacher, written by Garth Ennis, with art by Steve Dillon. Colors, Matt Hollingsworth. Letters, Clem Robbins. Cover art, Glenn Fabry or Fabry. How do we say that? I say Fabry, like fabric softener. He must smell great. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. I think that's what we'll call him. Edits by Rottenberg, Moore, and Berger. So we go from fabric softener to Rottenberg. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cover price, $2.95, which uh, that's a pretty penny back in the day, isn't it? Right. And uh, went on sale February the 28th, 1995, at least according to Mike's Amazing World here. Now, one name here sticks out to me there, and we talked a little bit about this off the air. Uh, do you like Steve Dillon? Do I like him personally? Well, personally, I'm sure he's a, he was a swell guy. But yes. Otherwise. Rest in peace. I do. I mean, it's funny that you're leading off with that because mm. I always say like certain artists or writers, they can be like broccoli, right? Mm. Maybe it's something that can, you can grow to enjoy or grow to like. Sure. And initially when I saw his art, I was like, well, there's not much to it. I think it's sure. very simple. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of his other works and how, uh, he, you know, whether it be other comics, there's not a lot of variation there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's got his style. He's sticking to it. Sure, sure. But, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. How about you? 
I, I for the most part I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that we did talk about was um, the wooden teeth. Oh, stop. The wooden teeth kind of take me out. <laughs> they kind of skeeve me a little bit. You have a problem with the man. The sorry, you have a problem with the way a man draws teeth. I do. That's I do. it. You That's think it. Look That's like it. Everything else looks fine. Everything else looks fine. Just but, the uh, teeth. Yeah, yeah. It makes it look like we're like like reading a Charlie McCarthy comic or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't uh, George Washington have wooden teeth? He did, apparently. So there you go. If it's good yeah. enough for the first El Presidente. It's true. This is all in homage. This is, yeah. This right. is the Come American on. dream in print. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Very subtle. Steve Dillon wants to chop down a cherry tree. We don't know. You think he lied about it? Maybe. <laughs> I would. But I mean, I seriously, man, I, 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 you know, I get it. I understand it. I can see the teeth thing and go, yes, they look a little wooden. Uh, which is very weird to say, like, oh, yes, those teeth look stiff. They look uh, – <laughs> they don't look exactly natural or right. But, I mean, to, to dwell on it or focus on that as the main thing is, like, uh, just so you. It is. It is. Yeah. Amazing. So, yes, if you have a problem with that sort of thing, this might uh, this might be a difficult uh, read for you. It's not that bad. But it is something okay. that kind of jumped out. Everybody looks uh, – in certain panels, they look a little bit chuckle-headed is all. But let's get into it here. Now, our story opens somewhere in Texas at the Five Aces Diner, and in a corner booth is where we meet our cast. And uh, one thing, we are definitely being thrown into a scenario that's already in progress here. But don't worry too much, because at least some of this will be straightened out by the end of this first issue. Now, the characters we got here are Jesse Custer, Tulip O'Hare, and Proinius? That's all you, man. That's all you. Cassidy. Yes. Cassidy is, is what we will be calling him, but his first name is Proyancius. I apologize to uh, my fellow Irish folk out there. Did you know I have the 77th most popular Irish name? Really? Yeah. According yeah. to whom? According to some website. Really? Yeah, some website said that uh, Sheehan is uh, the 77th. It's funny you say that because uh, back in the day, I read, there was an article, and I think it was in Hustler magazine, which is like mm-hmm. the creme de la creme for uh, Gallup polls yeah. Yeah, and information. <laughs> and they said like the, the most common name that women will yell out in the middle of uh, intercourse if they don't know their lover's name was mm-hmm. uh, Bill and Dave. I was like, hey, I'm number two. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah that's, that's something. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's something. <laughs> now, uh, so we got our we got our folks here. And before we get down to it, they place their orders. They are at a diner, of course. Jesse wants a burger. Tulip has apparently gone vegetarian, which Cassidy has a little bit of fun with. Well, not so much fun with, but uh, takes issue with it and tries to make her feel foolish for only wanting the greens. She orders like a chicken salad, hold the chicken, which isn't that like a Jack Nicholson thing? Like, wasn't that a movie where you wanted like a chicken a turkey burger without the burger or something? And you started me. cursing out a waitress. Uh, maybe it's like as good as it gets or something. It was back in the seventies. Oh, set. Oh, geez. Oh, oh, old Nicholson. Old Nicholson. I would not be able to help you there because, uh, Jack Nicholson's a joker. He is. I can tell you that. Yeah. But, uh, we'll try to do some research on that one. If any, anybody cares about that. But, uh, now we get a little bit of background here. Uh, Tulip and Jesse, they had a prior relationship. You see, they'd been together until Jesse ran off to become a reverend. And, you know, he he doesn't deny that he left, but he denies that he ran out on her necessarily here. But he won't spill the beans on why he decided to become a preacher man, at least not at the time being. And he talks about uh, finding God. Like actually tracking him down? 
That might be a tough listing in the yellow pages. It might be. I mean, but I figure old God's probably old school, and he probably yeah. would be in the yellow or the white pages if, uh, if he were. <laughs> on there. You know, I, you might. I don't know that you'd be able to dial information for it, but. No, yes, it's, a, it's looking that big old heavy 9X book. Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. he is. Hey, God. They still deliver those to you? No. You? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Are you serious? Luckily, luckily, they usually show up on garbage day. So I just pick it up, walk it over to the recycling bin, and drop it. That's yeah. insane. Oh, yeah. That's that's crazy. Like, the post office would actually – well, first off, that someone would print it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm happy people are in work, right? Sure. And it, that's great. You're making money. And we love physical media. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But I mean, that a phone book? Yep. Get get out of here. Yeah. I think the last one I got was probably about a year or two ago. But it's like, you, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this thing is still around in like 2019, 2020. Friggin' insane. <sighs> now, uh, Jesse, he, he talks a little bit about having the uh, having become the spiritual guide for an entire small town while he was away. To which our man Cassidy reminds him that, uh, well, Jesse actually done killed off that entire town. Huh. Well, we'll we'll get into that. And so we hop into flashback land from here as Reverend Custer is uh, walking up to a cruddy looking bar slash truck stop. It looks like a truck stop kind of in Anvil, Texas. And our hero, well, he gets pretty feisty this night. He gets himself a drink and then tells the barkeep that he can almost taste the beer through the water the bum uses to uh, make the hooch last longer. And Jesse claims that he knows everybody in this town's uh, secrets. Uh, not sure if this is referring to him taking confessions or not. What do you think? You think he uh, these folks come and confess to him or is just just some uh, I don't know if he has any divine intervention at this point. But uh, no, no, this is definitely uh, within the pews. This yeah. is the uh, yeah. Smell that pine. Tell me your secrets. This is true. This is true. You got to use the uh, the Murphy's oil soap. You'll smell that. Have you ever uh, been in a confession box? Of course, I'm Catholic. You ha- really? I've never <laughs> once. No, I've always been too afraid to go into one of those things. <laughs> Figure I'll be I had- stumbling out of there with my my underpants around my ankles or something. <laughs> I had to do it first uh, for uh, my communion in second grade. Uh, that was a uh, we had to do penance. Uh, that was the sacrament you get before communion. And I remember we were all a bunch of kids and we were all petrified. And because yeah. it's like you go into this little box and there's a mesh, you know, window. Right. It's, it's like in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. And so uh, the priest saw that we were all freaking out and he was cool about it. He's like, OK, we're all going to sit in a circle. And he's like, and I want you to think your confessions. And uh, and he forgave them all. So we all sat there in silence, thinking our confessions, and he, he forgave them. That's convenient. That's it was easy. very convenient. It was, yeah. uh, it, was, uh, it was like the assembly line sort of a situation here. It was automated confession, so it was good. I can just see it like you're you're probably thinking, I stole a pack of gum from Woolworths, and then the next kid's <laughs> like, I I my, I don't know, I threw a newspaper at the wrong house during my paper route, <laughs> and then the next kid's like, I killed a man with my bare hands. Yes. And he's like, you're all forgiven. I don't even need to hear anything. He stabbed a guy in the eye just to watch him uh, bleed out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, my, my, my confessions were, and I don't know if I'm breaking a pact here, but my confessions were that I lied and I fought. And I was so scared to tell a priest that I lied and that I fought. So, uh, Did you fight for your right to party? 
I fought because I was like, I was in second grade and I was probably like 40 pounds. I was very, very small. I was an easy target oh, okay. for many, many people. So uh, you got to you gotta fight or you, you, you learn to eat dirt and uh, didn't want to eat dirt. So yeah, you fought and I fought and I lied. And uh, that was my first confession experience. My second one was uh, a week before I got married because uh, my wife comes from a Mexican family. My, my family's Irish Catholic. So it's, uh, we're going to do this in a church. And I mean, I'm very much lapsed. I don't, I don't go to church unless I'm getting married basically, or I'm going to someone else's wedding. And, uh, we had to take that sacrament before they'd let us marry. And we waited until the last minute because we like forgot. And it was a Saturday morning that we had to have it done by. And the closest church with a confession open was like 70 miles away. So we had to drive 70 miles to do this confession. And this was 2008 and we were, we were broke beyond broke. So it's like, we were like actually like wondering if we have the gas to get back. It was really, really for, for leading up to such a nice thing in our life. It was a very dark time in our lives. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I had to actually go into the box and, uh, even being, I was, what, 28 years old at that point, it was still very, very nerve-wracking. It was very scary to, to be in that room. It's You feel judged, and you feel well, like— What uh, did you confess this time? You, you're not a little kid anymore. Was this actually like, yeah, I killed a man just to watch him die <laughs> stuff, or, or what, what happened there? Um, I think I confessed that I lied again. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Look at you. I, little yeah. fibba. Little fibba. Nose growing like Pinocchio, fibbing away. I am, I am a goody two shoes for the most part. I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really do all that much, good or bad. So uh, I think lying was uh, was my biggie for yeah, that time. That's uh, it's nice though. I mean, normally yeah. folks just get their blood tests to prove they don't have syphilis. Yeah, and get married down at, related. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And they get married <laughs> down at city hall. You guys are like, no, I got to drive seventy miles, even though I, yeah. I really have two pennies to rub together mm-hmm. just this to confess during, i'm a filthy liar i'm a liar yeah this was during yeah. the time where i was running water through the same coffee filters the coffee crowns <laughs> for like a week oh. and a half just to make it last. oh <laughs> not God. a good time folks yeah but, uh, yeah it's uh we're, we're better now but um yeah that's a uh, that's confession and it's like you give your confession and like there's a moment of silence there and, and that, that moment feels like it's like a minute and a half it's like okay you're gonna say anything is he waiting for me to say more? Is it what, what's going on here? And, you know, they finally, they finally do. But uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, Jesse knows things is what we're trying to get at here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he's about to drop some bombs, right? Um, he points to a fella named Mark, who apparently eats dog poop on dares. You don't. I haven't been dared that much yet. I yeah. mean, maybe if someone gave me a quadruple dog dare, but uh, nobody has yet. Yeah, have oh. you ever have you ever been dared to do anything? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, yet again, anything nothing you can remember like, or, uh, no, or admit this there's, one. There's no like sticking my tongue to a cold, you know, pole or. Uh, I get that reference. Yeah, there you go. The Christmas story <laughs> there. It's not <laughs> on par with the the Jack Nicholson turkey sandwich there, but no. uh, as far as obscure or at least obscure to me. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I must because I was a dummy. I'm, I mean, I'm still a dummy, but now if you dared me to do something, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care. What happens? You judge me? Everybody <laughs> else is, go for it. I don't care. But when you're a kid, yeah, you got to impress people, show that you're tough. Yeah. yeah, so. 
I think when I was a kid, I, I was dared to, I, I, I think, no, I, I'm sure. I, I just don't oh. want to admit it. Um, to, I snorted a, sh- a salt packet. Oh man. Yeah. No yeah. wonder why your hair is gray. It's true. It's true. Uh, it's, I didn't see something shocking. It's a, uh, I am literally becoming salt and pepper. So. <laughs> what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, Jesse, Jesse then points to Harvey and Harvey. Well, he keeps collecting grants from the government for his farm, but he also uses that barn at the farm to create porno flicks. So uh, maybe not on the up and up there. He assures us that it is. And I mean, I don't know him from a hole in the wall, so I wouldn't uh, argue. Then he pats some noseless weirdo named Michael on the head, alluding to something having gone down in California. Don't know if we'll know more about that later or not, but uh, I guess we can use our imagination. Uh, and finally, he gets over to the Morrow brothers. Now, the Morrows, they done raped a girl and got away with it due to their daddy's pull with the judge. And then Jesse talks a little bit about the hypocrisy of certain churchgoers. And I mean, this is some... Uh, there's some well-trodden sort of uh, talking points here. He states that, you know, these folks act like savages all week, and then they think spending an hour on Sunday in God's house is all they need to do to make it right. I mean, I, I suppose we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts one way or another on that sort of uh, point of view? What, going to church and thinking all your sins are absolved no matter yeah, what yeah. you've done? I mean, I mean, I I don't want this show to be like terribly dicey or uh, I don't think that we're going to sensationalize or anything like that. But I mean, sometimes these questions are going to come up. And uh, yeah, do you have any you have any thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I'll just get it out of the way now. I mean, you already said you're Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. even though lapsed. But I yeah. really I have no religious persuasion. I don't lean one way or the other. Sure. Um. So. Yes, yeah, it's, it's almost like I don't know. I, I there's so many people in life that I think can hide behind shields that are far hmm. too easy uh, to manufacture, and one of those things happens to be religion. I can see that. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, wherein he's Jesse even says here, it's like, yeah, you you act like savages all week, and then boom, it, there it is, it's gone. You've been you know you're absolved, cleansed. Um, to start I it do all see over that. again on Monday. Yeah, I do that. I see that in life all the time. Someone hmm. who does some dirty deeds or is uh. Uh, doesn't have much integrity, yet they're uh, maybe wearing something or talk uh, in a manner that would make you believe that they have leanings towards. Yeah. There you go, scruples. Thank you very much. So I don't know. I I, I don't – actually, I don't know where I am going with this. Save me, Chris. Pull me out of the, the quicksand here. I'm just saying that don't trust people. All people are evil. <laughs> evil. We're terrible. We should be wiped from the face of the earth. And the show. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, this is uh, this is something that is uh, it's almost a trope unto itself now. I mean, you'll see villains in fiction where, like the 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 ruthless um, you know stockbroker or or the mafia don or something like that, and then you'll see them with their family uh, on Sunday yeah. morning at church. It, it's it's tropey. It is tropey. But uh, I mean, tropes start somewhere, don't they? I mean, it's kind of a thing. Yeah, so, it's kind of like uh, getting a tear tattoo on your face after you've killed somebody. But I get a tear tattoo on my face just because I think it's pretty stylish. It, it is. It it's is pretty awesome. Stylish. So screw the trope. You don't need yeah. to kill anybody to rock that little uh, bloated blue teardrop <laughs> underneath your eye. 
And I know that it's I know it's always good to get one of those right before a job interview. Yeah, totally. Just grab like an old VCR, break it apart, some wires, <laughs> slap those on there. Some big, yeah, some big ink. Just be mm-hmm. like, boom. There you I'm go. Crying, I'm crying right now, forever. Always, always, now and forever. Now more than ever. Yeah. But uh, but Jesse, he he told he calls out the Morrow brothers here, and uh, well, they don't take kindly to it because uh, Jesse turns around to probably shame someone else. And, uh, well, he gets a pool cue smashed in the back of his head by one of said Moros. Now, before they can finish the job, the barman, who uh, Jesse previously, you know, accused of watering down his booze, settles their tea kettles here. He's like, hey, he's out. Stop. You know, don't don't kill the man, basically. Back to present. And Jesse suggests that uh, this was around the time that Genesis was busting loose. The who now? Hmm. Well, we're going to find out right now, because next we shift scenes to heaven. And it's a uh, it's an odd heaven. It's an odd heaven because uh, we're on board like a satellite looking thing. It looks like it's been a long time since I've seen Empire Strikes Back, but it almost reminds me of the Cloud City. Is that is that an accurate uh, <laughs> I, can, I can see that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just basically a round bulb with tubes mm-hmm. stuck to it. Tubes, yeah. Yeah, keeping the old Art Deco alive in the afterlife yeah. there. Uh, Absolutely. Which is kind of cool because, you know, you're thinking, heaven, okay, clouds, harps. Clouds, harps, yeah. Uh, you know, angels that are on uh, toilet paper, you know, <laughs> being all happy. But no, we get something uh, completely different. We do. We do indeed. And we're looking at this ball with the tube sticking off of it, and there's a big old hole in one of the hallway tubes, which we might assume has something to do with this Genesis busting out situation. And it's also here that we meet three angels of the Adelphi, the Blanc, Fiore, and Pilo. And they're kind of knuckleheaded, but they're also quite worried about the apparent breakout. Then a Seraphi angel flies over, and in his arms is another Seraphi, only... Well, it, this one doesn't have a head. It's been beheaded. Yeah. You know, it might be worth mentioning here, too, that the angels mm-hmm. actually remi- – sorry. might be worth mentioning here that the angels actually resemble humans, mm-hmm. albeit with crummy haircuts. They do look yeah. – Unlike you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. They, thank they, 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 there are lessons to be learned from you. Okay. It's true. <laughs> but the seraphi or seraphi, whichever way you want to say, it, gonna say it, yeah. potato, potato, they're striped, they have wings and are menacing looking mofos. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But they, they definitely do look like they just left like a dinosaur junior concert or something. <laughs> that's, a, that's a totally dated reference. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. For a book that came out in 1995. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, uh, the uh, this seraphi or seraphi or how, how – However, we're going to say it. Um, He states that the Adelphi's entity had burst from their satellite gimmick here and charged right through his brother Angel's head, which is why he is beheaded. Uh, He then asks what these goofballs plan to do about it and explains that this entity uh, looks like a comet with the face of an infant. And yes, this is our Genesis. Now, the Adelphi attempt to deny that Genesis could have been behind this, but it falls on deaf ears. What's more, the Seraphi reminds them that, uh, well, they're the ones in charge here. The Seraphi, that is. They are in charge. Now, left alone, the Adelphi ponder what Genesis might be after. Pilo, well, he's pretty certain. I think it's Pilo. I mean, we don't know which one is which here, but we're going to say it was Pilo because Pilo is an easy word to say. It might be Pillow, though. Uh, He's fairly certain (laughs) that what Genesis seeks is a soul. 
Now, he'd recently conducted an experiment on the entity, which revealed that it was developing an identification with human concerns and even beginning to form a sense of morality. Now, if it were able to bond with a soul, things might go a bit caca. Nebulously, of course. We don't get any sort of specific doomsday scenarios or anything. It's just something we want to avoid, basically. Now, anyway, it's decided here that uh, Genesis must not be successful in its bonding endeavor. And so these geeks are going to have to do the unthinkable. They're going to have to go to Boot Hill and wake the Saint of Killers. And um, I, I know what the Saint of Kill I, I know what the Saint of Killers looks like. I should say I don't know what he is necessarily, but I was surprised that he appeared in the first issue. Yeah. That's, no, it's, it's really cool because uh, I, I don't know if later we're going to kind of do our synopsis or you know feelings about the issue as a yeah. whole. But even thus far, I mean, we're getting introduced to a lot mm-hmm. of characters here. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and it's being done in a in a in a way that doesn't feel like an info dump, which I feel like is kind of a lost art. You know, um, right now I guess I'm, it's apples and apples and oranges, or apples and elephants here with what the comics industry was back in 1995 compared to now. Where I think if you launch a book like this now, the pacing is going to be a lot different because I don't know that you'll be able to assume that you'll get as many issues as you want to tell your story, right? So I think. I think the pacing would be a bit different here, or it might be even a little bit slower with an eye toward only worrying about the new, the bookstore market. Right. So this might be actually spaced out across several issues because this will be a good, you know, wetting your appetite type story that may get broader, uh, more readership in yeah. the bookstore format. Sort of no, thing. I hear you. It's like uh, nowadays they might say, okay, well, uh, the Santa Killer's dope character, but here's the thing. Can we milk this and then yeah. introduce him at the end of issue five? Exactly. So that exactly. ends the first trade, and then people are hungry to see what happens and go hit up is. Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles and buy the second trade later, man. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, I can see that. So, you know, and uh, yeah, this – this. oh, I pine. I <laughs> pine. I miss for the time of just pure storytelling to tell the damn story. Imagine. Now, oh, uh, boy. Now from here, we hop back to the Five Aces, and now it's Tulip's turn to chat a little bit. And we join her in, uh, well, near your stomping grounds in Dallas. Yes, right. Where, yeah, it would appear that she's on a mission of sorts. Now, she spots a man getting into a car with some of his associates, and so she begins her approach. Now, one of the fellas in the backseat asks her how wide she can open her mouth, <clears throat> which prompts her to reveal that she's packing. And, uh... This is one of those uh, odd Dylan panels for me. Uh, she emotionlessly, <laughs> she's just standing there like no emotion on her face, shoots a guy in the face, right? Just blows this dude's jaw clean off. But it doesn't look like she's angry. Doesn't look like she's in a trance. She's just there, you know. This is just, you know, picking up a grocery or something, just blowing a dude's face off. Now, uh, she runs away while the goobers wonder if this was supposed to be a hit job. And she rushes over to a pickup truck, which she attempts to jack. And the driver is Cassidy. Now, he thinks that her pointing a piece at him is absolutely adorable and refuses to give up the ride. But, you see, he's bored. And so he does decide to let her hop in the passenger seat. Just then, one of the baddies shoots Cass in the head. And, uh, well, it leaves a mark, but not much else. So he's got a bullet hole and he's bleeding, but he's none the worse for wear. Now, we hop back to the present and Jesse expresses a bit of disbelief. 
After all, the tulip he knew hated guns. And Cassidy scoffs that he knows someone who doesn't, which takes us to our next flashback. I don't know if it's supposed to be taking us to our next flashback or if it's just tonally convenient to take us to this part of the story. But uh, from here, we head over to Boot Hill and we join Pilo, the Adelphi who had been tasked with waking the Saint of Killers. And he enters the crypt, knocks the rattler off the top of the pine box, opens the lid and gets shot in the head. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, many times you're going to hear this over the course of the show. And anytime you read anything about Preacher, it's compared to a spaghetti Western, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that theme, his brains got splattered to the wall just to see if they stick. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> if you ever wondered if an angel has uh, the insides in his noggin, like you mm-hmm. and I do have, according to this book, he does. They do. They do indeed. Now, the saint asks what the angels need. And so the Genesis situation is explained. Uh, Pilo compares Genesis's powers to that of God and suggests that if it were to bond with the spirit of a mortal, heaven could fall. Well, the Santa Killer steps out of the box and leaves the tomb as Pilo lay dying. So you will believe an angel can die. I didn't know. <laughs> From here, we jump back to the present where Jesse's about to continue his story. And this is an oversized issue, by the way. So uh, there's a lot of material here. Now, last we left him in flashback land, he was cracked over the dome with a pool cue. Now, while out cold, he was deposited back at the church doorstep. And this was a Saturday night, so they wanted him there for Sunday morning. Now, our man mentions how weird this particular Sunday was, because normally his services would only garner a crowd of like 20 or so people. But today, they were absolutely hanging from the rafters here. There were 200 people for mass. Wow. Yeah, it's a packed house. Now, while Jesse spoke to his congregation, a comet with an infant's face bursts through the wall and plows right into Reverend Custer's head. It doesn't behead him, though. Now, this causes a reaction not unlike a bomb going off, complete with a mushroom cloud. And, well, all the worshippers are rendered into smoldering skeletons. Jesse, however, we'll we'll get to where, where Jesse is here. Very shocking scene here. Um... And like I said, it's been forever since I even read this first issue. And to be completely honest, when I read this, I didn't remember it a bit. So maybe I didn't even make it through the whole first issue when I was reading this uh, from the reprint back in the long ago here. But this is a uh, this is like a Rubicon here. This is a pretty big deal that it's going to be difficult to uh, to kind of uh, wipe under the rug or, or walk back. So I'm liking that they're making a statement here right off the bat. Now, from the distance. Tulip sees this mushroom cloud. You know, she and Cassidy have uh, been on the road and she uh, they'd pulled over so Cass could catch some Z's. You see, it's daytime and he's a uh, well, well, we'll get to what he is. We'll get to what he is. Um, actually, we'll get to what he is in the solicit, not in the issue, but in the solicit. Now, in any event, he's laid out in the bed of the tr- pickup truck, completely covered in a tarp. And you probably know exactly who he is, even if you haven't read this or what he is. Now, uh, Tulip decides to drive toward the explosion to see what's up, which wakes Cassidy up, and he's quite displeased indeed about being taken anywhere. Now, upon arrival, Tulip sees the raised church and the smoking skulls, and she crawls into the wreckage a bit deeper and is shocked to discover the body of her ex-lover, Jesse Custer. What a quinky dink, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is uh, also a much more efficient way of stalking your ex than Facebook. (laughs) It's true. Which I know you've done it confess <clears throat> uh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm banned in 48 states 
sure. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's a uh, this is very in- an interesting turn of events here mm-hmm. that uh, that these two are coming together once more. And uh, now we look at Jesse, and outside of having his outfit a bit torn and singed, he looks none the worse for wear. You know, he's not bleeding really. He's a, he looks good. Now back to the present. Cassidy starts fidgeting around, claiming he needs a smoke. And Jesse offers to head over to the nearest convenience store to snag him a pack. And uh, once outside, now this one, this is weird. This is uh, kind of a non sequitur here, but Jesse leaves the uh, the five aces here, and he walks towards the convenience store, and he's met with, I think, John Wayne? Uh, what makes John? you think John Wayne? Well, he calls him Pilgrim. Okay. And and that, I know nothing about Westerns except that. Right. I know John okay. Wayne says Pilgrim, right? Pilgrim. Hi, Pilgrim. Mm. Howdy, Pilgrim. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's John Wayne. I don't know if it is. Well, I mean, he's also dressed up like the, the face is obscured with the shadows yeah. or whatever. But you see the hat. You see, mm-hmm. you know, the vest and everything. You start thinking. I mean, for people who, who don't know much about Westerns, including mm-hmm. myself, really, I enjoy Westerns. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you, when you start thinking about the gold standard or the, the imaging of it, it's, uh, it's John Wayne. John Wayne, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so – Jesse's chatting up, perhaps, John Wayne. Uh, we jump back to flashback from here, where the local sheriff and his posse have arrived at the rubble that was the church. And you got to read this really closely because they're very, very subtle about this. Like, you may miss this if you're not paying attention, but the sheriff, the sheriff Root, he's kind of a racist. Very, very subtle, but he's kind of a racist. He's also kind of a homophobe, and he hates Martians, too. And I mean, this is some of the most subtle storytelling, very nuanced stuff that you would have come to expect from Garth Ennis. So just take our word for it. So if you miss it, it's there. Trust us. Anyway, he vows to find out who done did the thing here. Now we pop back to the present briefly so Jesse can hand off the camels. Then we pop back to the night of the day that the church went boom. And it's here where Jesse finally wakes up. Now, the first thing he does is kiss Tulip, which she is not okay with. This might be a scene that would uh, play a little bit differently in current year, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, then Jesse uh, attempts to explain what's going on, and he says that he's got the word of God in him. And we even take a look into his mind to see an angel and a demon banging. And uh, <laughs> I suppose we might assume that this is the conception of Genesis. So uh, maybe Genesis is the result of uh, some divine crossing of streams, huh? Does the Genesis have an invisible touch? Yeah. Uh, I, I know we can't dance. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, God. I could just talk about Phil Collins all day long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I How really tall could. do you think he is? Like four foot three? Oh, well, now the, the poor old son of a gun, he's got to sit in a chair to perform. He's not doing well. Really? Oh, Phil. I yeah, no, bad. he's. Yeah, you haven't. I know you're you're uh, not, you know, hip with what's going on, but. Uh, you could have stopped after the word hip. Yeah, he's old <laughs> Phil Collins ain't doing so well. So uh, enjoy him while you got him, people. Hopefully yeah. we publish this episode before he's dead. That's true. That's true. And hopefully we didn't curse him with this episode. <laughs> I might have. I it's maybe like, I get the word of God in me. Yeah, there Who was knows? an episode of um, Moratory Mondays where uh, we were talking about Danny Aiello, mm-hmm. and like the day after we released it, he died. It was like I don't think I've ever talked about Danny Aiello except for that one day. Wow. Was, I missed that episode. Were you guys talking about the movie The Pickle? <laughs> no. no? We, were, okay. we were talking about the uh, sequel to, um, you know, the Madonna video that he's in, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Papa Don't Preach, is it? 
Well, Danny Aiello made a sequel to that music video with the same song with different words where it's like Papa just wants what's best for you is the is the um, chorus. It really exists. And it's basically him singing to his daughter. And there's like a Madonna lookalike in it. It's awful. But it's like one of those things that's so bad you have to kind of see. Like he's in there like punching a heavy bag and he's like hugging the heavy bag. He's like just exhausted. Then like he thinks he catches his daughter walking across the street and it's like a different girl. It's so bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, Papa. Papa just wants what's best for you by Danny. At what point in the video does he eat the gabagool? And so like <laughs> he doesn't, unfortunately, he doesn't. No, no gabagool for Danny Aiello. You ever have gabagool? Well, maybe uh, this will have the reverse effect then. If if last time you talked about a celebrity, they died. Yeah. I'm bringing up Phil Collins here, and uh, maybe he's going to get rejuvenated. I hope so. And all of a sudden, yeah, he's going to be filled with life and jumping around on stage like a whippersnapper. Yeah, yeah. And everybody can thank me and send money to me and go, mm-hmm. you saved Phil. I'm like, yes, right, I did. It was me. Because maybe you, my friend, mm. have an invisible touch. I think I do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I hope I hope I do. I really do. I hope Zeus no one is... sees my touch ever because it'd be very yeah. embarrassing. Susu Studio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, all uh, the way. Have you ever have you ever had a gabagool? Uh, no, no, no gabagool for me. Mm. So I just enjoy watching other people eat gabagool and saying the word gabagool. It's a fun word to say. Yeah, sure yeah. is. But if you want to order it at a at a uh, like an Italian deli, don't call it that because they'll roll their eyes at you. What do I what do I gotta call it? Capricole. Well, Capricole. then I'll just order it off Amazon. I don't have to talk yeah, to nobody. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But it's a it's like a spicy uh, salami. It's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. The wife likes it more than I do, but she has more of a tolerance for spicy things. So okay, it's it's good. It's good. Now from here, Cassidy assumes that this uh, Custer chap has just done lost his mind and suggests that maybe they get out of here before the cops show up. Because remember, he said, "I've got the word of God in me." Cassidy ain't buying it. And uh, well, as soon as Cassidy says the cops are going to be here, they show up. And so our heroes are surrounded both on land and air. And uh, Cassidy makes a topical at the time O.J. Simpson reference, to which I must ask you, is O.J. a timeless thing? Like the kids today get that reference? Yes. My answer to that is yes, because um, there was a TV show recently (laughs) or fairly recently about O.J. So I'm sure a lot of people were. Yeah, it was. um, Hmm. Oh, God. It was like an FX show. Yeah, it was. same guy does like American horror story. He does like these um, pieces about history and that was one of them. So, okay. Interesting. So yeah, I'm sure many people are now, uh, you know, familiar with the fact that OJ is a killer. Yeah. And do you think they realized that he was a football player? No, (laughs) no. Do you, do you remember where you were during the chase? Um, yeah, I was, I think I was in school. Now here's an interesting, Mm -hmm. uh, tidbit about my life and maybe Mm -hmm. somebody else's life out there. When you were in high school, mm-hmm. they started putting TVs in your home room. Yes. Now, these were all part of like a program where uh, there's a channel called Channel One. Mm-hmm. They come live from the Hacienda and they provide the TVs to the schools just so they could spread their uh, their propaganda. No, I mean like their mm-hmm. news program every <laughs> yeah. morning for kids to yeah, consume. We, we had New York One. Yeah. We had New York yeah, One. Okay. So that's where uh, like Lisa Ling got her start, I believe. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Anderson Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember mm-hmm. it's Channel One, so mm-hmm. uh, I could have swore that was like something I would have seen on there. Okay. Yes. I could. I, be wrong. I know when I when when the chase happened, I was in uh, my uh, my buddy's pool when the chase was going on, 
and uh, his parents came out and told us it's so weird. I mean, you think about like a character like O.J. Simpson. He's, it's not like royalty. It's not like a president, but it's like this weird touchstone that we have people of our vintage. And it's like his parents came out. It's like, oh, yeah, O.J.'s being chased. And and sure enough, I mean, the whole freaking day was O.J. was chased. And yeah. uh, I mean, the trial was endless. And they actually announced over the uh, P.A. at high in high school. The uh, the results of the of the trial. Should we spoil Which, that for everybody? <laughs> if if anybody hasn't seen the FX show, please skip yeah. ahead 15 seconds. But uh, yes, yeah. he was uh, found. Uh, the, the glove didn't fit, right? Yeah, the glove. If the glove don't fit. You must have quit. Yeah, that yeah. was something else. I mean, if you think about it, that was the precursor for all this friggin' crazy reality true crime oh, yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Everybody was glued to the TV for that. Oh, and yeah. actually, our generation. That's where the boom happened. Michael Jackson being in court for oh, yeah. his crap. OJ. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that was that was something else. It was. Yeah. We we suddenly all became very very interested in this this odd minutia that we wouldn't have otherwise. It's mm. very strange. But uh, how do you remember what the reaction was around you when it was announced that he was uh, not guilty? Yeah. It was. Uh, who cares? Oh. Can you pass the ball? Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, it was pass me that move. joint. Let's keep getting high. <laughs> we all we all booed it. Uh, oh, you a, did? Yeah. How many people were with you? Was this like a? You said you were in school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I was in Spanish class, and everybody booed. I didn't start the booze, but I uh, I was there for it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And uh, what's the other reference that our man Cassidy makes here? Well, he uh, makes a nice little uh, nod to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Which. Uh, of course, this was actually when they were part of the counterculture. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, the Chili Peppers went from socks on their jocks to <laughs> tennis balls on their walkers. But mm-hmm. back in 1995, it was still like, yeah, man, you like the Chili Peppers? Me too. We can be friends. Yep. Now Absolutely. it's, hey, you, you like this elevator music? Yeah. yeah. That's the Chili Peppers. <laughs> That's who it is. It's sad, isn't it? <laughs> That's life, man. <laughs> we all dry up and uh, eventually go home. It's very, very true here. But yeah, I remember they, they seemed like they were kind of like out there. and uh, They were. Yeah. yeah I liked I, the Chili Peppers back then. I thought they were yeah. great. And now, oh my God, they stink. Yeah, my wife, like she likes the Chili Peppers now. and uh, Oh God. Oh dude, it ain't good. Like she'll be no. playing that on her Spotify while she's working and stuff. It's like, oh no, 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 no. Just take take the cell phone smash it against the ground and say yeah. Anthony Kiedis can't sing <laughs> and, and I mean if you stop and like listen to it like every damn song is about California can they can they sing about anything that's not California well maybe by listening to their songs we'll find out what happened to our boy Mark earlier in the issue right Ooh, so maybe there's some hidden uh, hidden text there might be some subtext text here crappy ass lyrics <laughs> It's true. Now, uh, now they're surrounded, right? Our, our, our heroes are surrounded by the uh, the cops here. And here, Jesse's eyes go red. And the text in his word balloons do as well. And he commands the officers to drop their weapons. And as though they were hearing the literal word of God, the cops do, in fact, drop their gear. Now, Sheriff Root, our uh, moderately uh, you know bigoted character here, he calls his men out on their cowardice, demanding that they pick up their pieces, to which we realize that he dropped his as well and isn't too keen on picking it back up either. Our heroes then hop back into the pickup truck and they head anywhere. Well, probably to the Five Aces Diner because that's where we find them. 
And so we wrap up the issue with the Saint of Killers sauntering up to Sheriff Root and his posse. And that's where we leave it. Our next issue blurb promises just a few cops. So what are your thoughts on this first installment? Loved it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved it. As we had talked about a little bit earlier here, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to digest. There's still uh, threads being put out there that, uh, you know, have that mystery and intrigue. And for me as a reader back then, wanted me to know more. You know what I mean? So, uh, and we had mentioned about the individual issues, which you have the opportunity to read thanks Mm -hmm. to your dime purchases. I was reading the majority of the beginning of this from the trade. Sure. So I could just go, oh, what's next? What's next? And I, I devoured the ever-living crap sure. out of it. But if we're just talking about the issue itself all alone, there's not much to complain about it unless you no. want to go on about wooden teeth. Wooden teeth is about the size of it, yeah. But uh, a, a great first issue. I mean, one of the things that, uh, that, that I talk about now, and I don't know that this is any particular creator's fault, uh, more, more than just the way the industry works right now, but um, – it feels like nowadays, and I mean, we're probably going to say nowadays or people these days a lot because we're, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're of that shot. vintage. Yeah. Take a shot every time <laughs> exactly. you hear nowadays. <laughs> so nowadays, um, it feels like uh, writers just want to get their stuff in. It's not about laying the foundation. I usually compare it to building a house. You know, right here, Garth Ennis is laying the foundation. You know, it's not the sexy stuff. It doesn't look like a house yet, but you can build the house on top of it and it'll stand and it'll withstand gusts, you know, it'll be able to hold its own. Whereas nowadays, it's where you want to just get the house up. You don't worry about the foundation so much. It's just like, well, these are the three big scenes I want. Let me just get them in the in the first couple of issues. Here we're building something. And it's 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 very special here because I, I don't know. I don't know how much of this cast is going to remain. I'm assuming the Saint of Killers is going to last or at least be in the background for a lot of this. Um, I know we've got uh, Tulip, Cassidy, and Jesse. That's our that's our cast here. I don't know if the Seraphis or the Adelphis are going to show up all that much more often. I don't know if Sheriff Root is going to survive this initial arc here. So, got a lot of questions, and it's uh, it's really cool to have those questions uh, because I mean I guess that just says that you're invested in what we're reading. So, really well done for a first issue. You know, I, I got a question for you. Sure flashbacks though did they bother you at all no because there's no. quite a bit of shifting going on in this issue it's true and uh, that's something that i think nowadays um they would dedicate huh. an entire issue to just the flashback right right well i mean you it's know, so common now how yeah. many shows or you know or stories everything is a flashback sure here sure. i think everything fit perfectly it did and it you flow. mentioned how modern writers try to get their few big scenes in right because what's going to happen now is someone on twitter wants to be first wants to tweet about this oh can you believe this character did this and get his whatever 15 20 200 likes whatever the case may be uh but they're aiming for that because that creates buzz everything else i love to talk about products of their time whether it's Mm -hmm. another story i like uh alan moore swamp thing sure i say to people hey you know reading it now the wow factor or the big reveal isn't as dramatic, mm-hmm. but you got to remember in that era, holy crap! Oh yeah, it's, it's, you know it, ch- it changes the game. Changed the game then, yeah. and of course, you know now people go, oh, well, I've seen all this stuff before. Of course you did, because they did it mm-hmm. first. But <laughs> with preacher, 
we didn't have social media, right? No. You're going to be talking about some inter- internet stuff in a little bit, but mm-hmm. there was no, hey, look at me. I'm the biggest fan. Ha, ha, yeah. ha. I can share and spoil things just to ruin your life. Let's talk preacher. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what we're doing, though? It? It's Let's true. talk preacher. I can't wait to share a cover of preacher, regurgitate something online, and uh, I hope everybody loves my stuff. Yes, right-click, save as. There we go. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that we're going to do with this show is we're going to – well, we're going to get into the gestalt of it here. We're going to talk about letters pages. We're going to talk about uh, the stuff that happened in these issues. We're going to you know, we're gonna catch up on some Vertigo stuff basically. We don't have that with this issue. It's, you know, We don't have the, the first printing of the first issue, so we don't have the uh, – we don't have Mr. Ennis's anti-PC rant. We also don't have letters pages because nobody's read the thing yet. So we are going to pepper in some other stuff today. And uh, I figured we're an all-inclusive sort of thing here. We're going to start with an article from Hero Illustrated, issue 22, which had an April 1995 cover date. And uh, this is an article called Vertigo Thriving on Chaos by Christopher Golden. And this is uh, basically what's to come this year. This is what's going to happen in Vertigo. And this might be one of the first places that uh, that preacher gets a mention, at least in, in you know, a publication. And uh, Mr. Golden says, this year, Vertigo's placed its bets on Preacher, a Vertigo creator-owned title from Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, who made a lasting impression with their three-year run on Hellblazer. With a more open, simple art style than most Vertigo projects, including Dillon's previous work, and a storyline that will have the heads of fantasy horror enthusiasts exploding, Preacher seems destined to find an audience both within the comic book community and beyond. And here comes one of my least favorite lines. Um... In fact, if a Vertigo series ever cried out for translation to film, this is it. Why do? Why is that where our minds always go to? I don't know. We can blame Wizard again because Wizard liked to do all that casting uh, call casting stuff. Call. I mean, yeah. Is that is that like a statement on just like the inferiority complex that comics and comics fans have, where it's like it's not legitimate unless it's a film or, or well, a no. TV show? No, because yet again, product of its time, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking mid '90s. Mm-hmm. The films were not the films of today. We didn't have sure. the the budgets, the effects, all this great technology. Uh, so what are we talking about? We're talking about Batman. We're talking about Superman uh, over you know that whole time. Batman, of course, being the most recent when it was released, well, the initial one in '89 before the, sure. the subsequent sequels. So I guess the whole idea of like fan casting something is fun, and then beyond that, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to see this on? tv or film because we didn't have any of that you know mm. so maybe it's where that lust came from to, to put comics on celluloid uh mm. but yeah i mean god now someone looks like somebody they're gonna oh wow they've got to be catwoman because they got big breasts oh, and uh blue mm. eyes and black hair and it's like come on <laughs> Get like, out of here. I might have i might have like a knee-jerk reaction to that from our time at moratory monday where like you try to talk about a comic book and everyone's like, oh, that'd make a great TV show. It's like, well, yeah. can we, can we, well, we have the comic. Can we talk about it? No, no that'd be a, oh. be a great TV show. Well, but we already have the comic. You can read it right now. Can we talk about that? Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about uh, what TV show would make a great comic. Exactly. Why isn't Magnum PI a freaking comic book? What the hell's going on here? Sure. Tom Selleck, short shorts, sells itself. 
do it. Yeah. Put it on newsprint, man. Let's rock and roll with this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's only a one way road, unfortunately. Yeah, but sucks. uh, yeah. But back to our article here. Mm. The story: A small town preacher who has put his wild days behind him becomes the receptacle for a power and essence of an insane, immortal half breed angel demon that has escaped from captivity in heaven. The preacher accidentally incinerates his congregation and then hits the road with an ex-girlfriend turned paid assassin and an alcoholic Irish vampire. So uh, we didn't spoil the fact that he was a vampire before, but here it is. I mean, you could figure it out, but still. Uh, On their trail is the ghost of a cold-blooded killer called up by angels to track their escaped prisoner who looks like he just stepped out of Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Hmm, Okay. I, 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 it bothers me that they spoiled so much of this. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know all these years past. I'm like, sure. I don't even notice they're spoiling it. You know what I mean? I've read it, but you're right, I, mean, I guess, huh? During, during the uh, synopsis, I'm like, when I saw that, uh, he incinerated the congregation, it's like, that's a big moment. Mm. Here it is in the solicit or in the, uh, the article here. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, he's going to blow up his congregation. And yeah, this dude's a vampire, and uh, oh, this girl's an assassin. It's like I wanted that stuff to kind of play out organically, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I've, I've got, uh, I've, you know, I've got uh, confidence in in Garth Ennis's ability to present that, and I, I could have used uh, that as a surprise. But uh, our man continues. The strength of oh, this is actually Karen Berger. The strength of Preacher is that it appeals to people who enjoy Quentin Tarantino's work. For a topical reference. This is uh, Vertigo head Karen Berger. She says, uh, there are a lot of atmospheric similarities between his films and Preacher. Gather, gather, a Preacher and Tarantino share a common, as, I'm sorry, Garth Ennis and Tarantino share a common aspect in that they're both great character writers. That's always been the strength of Garth's work. He has a great ear for dialogue, writes very believable characters. I think ultimately characters have to be interesting. That's what people are here to read about every month. And uh, Berger is equally excited about Steve Dillon, who she calls one of the best storytellers comics has, uh, and says that this is probably his best work since Screamer, which is uh, a proto-Vertigo book, a pre-Vertigo Vertigo book, as they put it here, written by Peter Milligan. It was uh, under you know regular old DC with the new format, but it is a mature book. I think subsequent uh, trades are under the Vertigo banner. Uh, she continues, he's been an underappreciated artist and preacher will be, there is a breakout book for him. Preacher is loaded with gore and blasphemy, so we can expect plenty of controversy, which is nothing novel for Vertigo. Quote, content-wise, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, but Vertigo readers are adults. There are many people who like this kind of material. We don't do politically correct comics, which, I mean, looking at what uh, mature reader comics are nowadays is uh, kind of funny. (laughs) Um, Sure. (laughs) uh, Burger continues. I don't think we do gratuitous comics either. We sort of aim to go for the controversy. We go for the subversion, but not just for the sake of subverting. Our aim is to write about the stuff in our lives that is prevalent, but people don't like to talk about too often. You can have this kind of content without a message, which, again, is is something you could uh, think about current year comics and uh, maybe get a giggle or two out of. But uh, any thoughts on this initial uh, salvo of preacher information from Hero Illustrated and Ms. Karen Berger? Uh, well, as far as Karen Berger herself, a lot of respect there. I mean, uh, certainly, certainly. She was at the helm for some. Uh, I talked about Swamp Thing earlier mm-hmm. at the helm for that. And it was oh, just sure. launched. Vertigo changed the game. Big and time. Karen Berger had a lot to do with that. Huge the point. only thing I'm kind of waffling on here was that last line that you read that she said. 
where she said you can have this kind of content without a message. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can have any content without a message in it. Okay. I mean, really, the, a writer is coming from a place. They have their belief system in place for so whatever they, they care about, you know, whatever the case may be. So there's we'll always a message, always yeah. something mm-hmm. to be said or to read between the lines there. Yeah, it's just a it's a I guess it's a question of the uh, subtlety and the tact. Mm. Yes, exactly. Which is 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 often not exercised. Um, <laughs> Very true. Now, uh, one thing we want to do as we work our way through this series here is um, we talked about Wizard earlier. Wizard yes. was a huge booster of Preacher. So, um, well, Wizard's got a price guide in it. And I figure as we work our way through, I want to take a look at the prices here, see how and when this book started to jump. And uh, the first time we get a mention is Wizard issue 44. Where preacher number one is listed at cover price, so yeah, uh, yeah nice. didn't uh, didn't go nuts right off the bat. Two dollars ninety five cents is not, the for, long. not, not for long, not for long, not for long at all here. And what's more, neither Garth nor Steve are in Wizard's top ten hottest artist li- uh, writest, writer and creator lists here, which uh, that's kind of weird. I, I I pictured Garth in there right away, but um, yeah. no. For some context as to where the industry was back in April of 1995, well, we have two lists here. Now, if you're a reader of current year stuff, you'll probably think that uh, the list would start with the writers. No, 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 no. First, we get our artists. Artists came first back then. Um, The number one artist was Todd McFarlane. Two, Frank Miller. Three, Stephen Platt. Remember Stephen Platt? Yeah, didn't he do like Brigade? Was it? What was no? Was it Profit? Which one was it? I think it was Profit because he came off a of Moon Knight, which was huge. Mm. Moon Knight fifty five or something like that. Yeah. Which I mean, that was one of those like instant wall comics. Um, number four, Greg Capullo and his mustache, which is uh, quite a sight. Five, Joe Casada. Six, Alex Ross with hair, which is also quite a sight. <laughs> uh, Will Spertasio with his uh, attempt at a mustache. Jeff Smith is number eight. Nine is Andy Kubert or Kubert. How do you say that? Kubert. Kubert, okay. Like the video like, game. Like the, like the bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And number 10 is his brother, Adam Kubert. We jump I'm over saying I'm brother. right. It could be Kubert. Could, oh, you know I, I, mean? I don't know. I'm, I, I've never I, went. I just don't want to be the only one wrong. Yeah, it's, no, I've never attended their father's school for art, so. Uh, no, I'm you not. go to Dover, New Jersey? Not in the no. Well, no. <laughs> Uh, next up, our writers. Uh, number one, Neil Gaiman. Two is Frank Miller. Three is our friend, Peter David. Uh, four, John Byrne. Five, Fabian Natsomisiesa. Uh, six, Scott Lobdell. <laughs> Seven, Jeff Smith. Eight, Ron Maws. Nine, John Ostrander. And ten, Chris Claremont. Yeah. So that's a, that's our top ten there. That's a heavy and, list uh, right there. Sure yeah. And, and, I mean, you could tell the worm is about to turn here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think a lot of those names are going to start slipping, and uh, we're going to be replaced with uh, with new. Uh, now, Preacher Number 1 was the 75th highest-selling comic, according to the Wizard Top 100 that month. And it does not make the Wizard Top 10 bo- top ten listing, because uh, there was a Top 10, you know, hot books here. Mm. And for context and for gestaltiness, we will tell you what those were. And it looks like... Um, Looks like it was Bad Girls Month, doesn't it? Yeah, Girls Gone Wild, baby. Mm. Yeah, the top book in Wizard's Top 10 is Gen 13 Number 1. Now, this isn't the top-selling books. This is just the books that Wizard is promoting. Number two is She or Shy or She. How do you say that? Why do you keep asking me how to pronounce? I'm like the worst. 
And, well, and just for context worst, here, well, just for context here, I used to call uh, J.M. Demetrius Demades. Demades. I mean, I'm talking for like decades. I was like, oh yeah, the Demades is a great writer. <laughs> Demades and Giffen on JLI is the best. And then I was actually listening to you and Reggie on Cosmic Treadmill, and I went, uh-huh. holy crap. <laughs> Good thing I never met him at a con or like, you know, at a, a deli sure. or something because I would have been embarrassed as hell, man. So when you ask me these things, I just I just whip out any way I say it. So someone listening might be like, Dave, you're such a moron. How can See, you the, pronounce the, the it like will, that? The blame will go to you. Well, that's fine. OK, so I say she. She. That's what I say. She. Too, I yes. So she number one is the number two book. Number three, Lady Death number one. Number four, Gen 13, number two. Number five, Vengeance of Vampirella. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. The wax stacks in, uh, in 95 were, were weird. Um, book six, X-Men Alpha, which which that kicked off the uh, Age of Apocalypse. Book seven, Generation X, number one. Eight, Gen 13, number three. Nine, Lady Death, number two. And ten, She, number two. So, yeah, Bad Girl Month, plus yeah. a couple of X-Men. Oh God! What an era! Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, I'm just like thinking now of like the, the Scott Campbell's art and like oh yeah oh my God all the skin tight bikinis and I don't know man it's just crazy I mean listen it still applies today don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but the 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 allure of that and, and going to a comic book store looking at a cover and it's going mm. yeah yep that is so unrealistic <laughs> that is nearly pornographic and i cannot wait to have it in my hands <laughs> said a young frank cho yeah. <laughs> you know, really <laughs> we do have a little bit of news from wizard they announced dc comics price hikes and uh, that does apply to vertigo as well and they do actually name drop sandman and preacher specifically and they say that their price going forward will be two dollars and fifty cents. Uh, of course, this was a three dollar issue. It was double sized, forty eight pages. So standard price for Preacher will be two dollars and fifty cents. I think going up from two dollars and twenty five cents, which, believe it or not, that was a price hike back in the day. Mm. Not nowadays. Nowadays, nope. it's uh, you're looking at a buck every time the price goes up, which is a sad, sad state of affairs. But uh, you know what they say. Uh, the cost of paper goes up constantly, right? <clears throat> yeah, well, I, you know, I had this conversation with my eight-year-old the other day. I was trying to explain a comic book crossover. Okay. And uh, when I was his age, I understood everything inside and out. You know what <laughs> I mean? I love comics, read comics. It was my entire world. Sure. My kid, not so much. He he will glance at comics, but it's not his thing. I don't force the issue. I'm not one of those crappy parents. Yeah. Who's like, hey, my nostalgia has to be, you know, your 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 activities, your life, or whatever. Yeah, this, this anyway, long story. Yeah. yeah, right. Your Bible. Uh, he was asking me how much comics cost when I was his age. I'm like, oh, I think they were like 60 cents. Yep. But then they went up to. Uh, <laughs> I, then I remember it being like 75. Yeah. And then eventually they were a dollar and a dollar 25. And I'm like, thinking that they did climb up fairly quickly over my youth. But at the same time, the increments were so small. Oh yeah. You know, and, and when you just it's say boiled frog. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're like, well, they now they pop up. So big, I'm towing the line at 2.99 was a big deal for DC. What was that? Was that um New 52? That was right before the New 52. Right before the New 52. And then so again with talking, So we're talking like 10 years ago. This is 2009, 2010. Yeah. yeah. So roughly 10 years ago, what have you? 
But then I, the reason why I'm telling this story, I'm not trying to go in the weeds here for the sake of going in the no, weeds, was I, I was actually a little shocked and I was taken aback by how much comic books cost nowadays mm-hmm. and those, uh, the inflation involved and uh, how you've really just priced out. Oh, young. it's voodoo math. Yeah. 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 Voodoo math is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I mean, I don't want to put it out in the uh, in the ether now, but uh, Marvel's held pretty firm to three ninety nine now for a while. Okay. Yep, it's been that. I, 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 kill, I kill Phil Collins. You just <laughs> yeah, and I raise comics, comics more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, if Bleeding Cool's listening, uh, you, you just make sure you say our names right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get our own mini series where we're on trial, but uh. Yeah, I mean Marvel's held to 3.99 for a long time now, so fingers crossed that they they keep that up. But uh, you know, one more little bit from Wizard uh, in is actually the fact that there really isn't anything else to say about Wizard. Not much buzz here, and uh, maybe they initially overlooked this little book, huh? No, 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 just you wait, Bubba. Just <laughs> you wait. It's, it's coming. Oh yeah, we're gonna have a lot of Wizard stuff to talk about here. But uh, now next, um. This is actually something that came to me. Uh, I didn't order this, but uh, it showed up in my DCBX package. Easy for me to say. DCBS package. An issue of Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal Number 1 from AWA Upshot Comics. Hadn't the foggiest idea what this thing was. Came to me. I didn't pay for it. I didn't order it, but uh, it was in my box. And apparently Bill Jemis and Axel Alonzo, those are some names from the past, are uh, are in business. And they have AWA Upshot, which I think is, what is it, Artist Writers and Something, or something like that is uh, the AWA. Yeah, and, Artist uh, Writers and A-Holes. There you go. There yeah. you go. Now, uh, Axel writes, here we go again. Over 20 years ago, one Thursday morning every month, I would sit down at my desk at DC Vertigo, hesitantly open my emails, and search for the inevitable one from DC Comics President Paul Levitz, where he'd finally tell me that my services were no longer required. I'm referring to the morning after that month's issue of Preacher Head Comic Stands, of course. To say Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon's supernatural spaghetti western was controversial in its day is like saying COVID is a little inconvenient right now, which may be a little too soon there, pal, but uh, your point is well taken. And he says Preacher pushed buttons in a big way and blazed a trail for creator-owned comics. And uh, we only mention that because Paul Levitz was not a huge fan of Garth Ennis, apparently. Um, and uh, I think he found... Preacher to be a little too envelope pushy. And uh, I think it was because of the boys that uh, Alonzo was eventually shown the door. I think it was because uh, the first few issues of the boys were a Vertigo comic before uh, before it got kicked over to, what was it, IDW? I don't remember. Whoever, whoever Dynamite, got maybe? Dynamite, that's the word, Dynamite, maybe. yeah. Before it got kicked over to Dynamite, it was, a, it was a DC comic for the first few issues. And uh, Paul Levitz saw it and said, nope. So uh, that was that. Now, um, we don't have letters pages, but uh, well, we do have the prehistoric Internet. Wow. We have used it. We have used that. Uh, this folks is wild. Know, folks who know me know I love Usenet. I know. It's I, crazy. You're insane. I can't I believe you actually find this stuff. And the, the old news groups that I, I'd say I grew up on, but I, I guess it was the latter half of my teenage years. I, I love these places here. It's basically um, social media that didn't suck so bad. It was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was good stuff. So um, there was a Vertigo news group at Rec Arts Comics DC Vertigo. But that didn't launch until July 20th of 1995. So that was a little bit after this issue came out. This issue hit me end of February. 
Now, the first comment that I was able to find about Preacher on Usenet on the DC BBS, which is just Rec Arts Comics DC Universe, was on April 25th, 1995, wherein the netters were basically bitching and complaining back and forth as uh, to where the Vertigo chatter belonged. So um, somebody came on there, wanted to talk about Preacher, and they're like, hey, you know, don't talk about that on the DC boards. That belongs on the miscellaneous boards. And then someone would chime in and say, no, 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 it belongs on the DC boards. Vertigo's right. a DC. And then other people would write in me and like, no, no, we need a Vertigo sub. And it's like, God, can we just talk about the comic, please? Please? And so uh, we, we jump over to Rec Arts Comics MISC so we can actually get some information here. Now, the first mention of Preacher is in a post by Xenojax <laughs> on... February 27th, 1995, at 2.26.37 p.m. So wow. 37 seconds. We're, we're, I mean, we are on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. And I can just, like, totally imagine the Zeno's Jacks hanging his or her hat on this <laughs> 26 years later, being like, I was the first one to post about this at this time. And so, Zeno Jacks, if you're listening to this program um, and you're discovering that you might be the first yeah. Reach out. Reach out. We want to talk to you. Like, move out your... of the basement. Get a job. What are you kidding me? I was the <laughs> first person to mention preacher on the internet, mother. <laughs> Beep. Yeah. Now, all this is a mention that the book is in fact on the shipping list. That's it. Doesn't say anything good about it. Doesn't say anything bad about it. It's like, hey, this book is shipping. So we jump ahead to uh, March sixth, nineteen ninety-five, at eleven fifty-two a.m. and forty-one seconds where Amron Ahmed says, quote, I wonder if anyone out there has read the new Vertigo book Preacher by the whole, the old Hellblazer team. I read issue one, thought it was pretty good, and would be interested in what other people have to say. And, uh, folks, he's still waiting for an answer. Oh, lame. Yeah, I mean, uh, the internet oh. was a very different place a quarter century ago. You'd, you'd put something out there, and maybe someone would respond. Put it in context. Can you imagine putting out a tweet and no one likes it over 26 years? I, I feel that. Not, I, no one clicked that, that little heart hurts. button. That yeah. hits me where that hits me where I hurt. No uh, sympathy. No no uh, <laughs> pity. Heart click. Please Nothing. notice. Please notice. Um, but yeah, nobody answered this one. Or maybe someone answered and it was too hot for Usenet. Who knows? Yeah. But um, we dig a little bit deeper here. And on March third, we go three days prior to this one, 1995, at 8:26 p.m. and 39 seconds, where Henry R. Broadus kicks off. As far as we know, the first preacher thread that actually got responses. So bully for you, Henry. Now, Henry says, well, I look I took a break to head to town and pick up a few comics at the local shop. Whenever I make such a trek, I'm always very limited on what I can buy because my shop back my shop back home maintains a pull list for me. Fortunately, I haven't had a chance to tell my hometown retailer to add preacher to my list of titles yet. This enabled me to pick up the first issue. I loved it. So there you go, Henry. He gives a spoiler warning and then says, what happens when a cussing preacher bonds with an experimental creature who has ex escaped from heaven? First, he kills his congregation. Then he joins up with his murderous ex-girlfriend and a smart ass vampire. Furthermore, he becomes stalked by a Jonah Hex type, the saint of killers. And I'm so excited about this new title. The first issue is a very wild ride. Check it out. Now, did anybody enjoy this issue as much as I did? So we have a good review here. Yeah, still spoiler. Uh, spoiler spoilers, though. Yeah. I mean, so. But at least he gives a warning. He does give a warning. Yeah, well, true. He doesn't just put it right in the header like some jerks did on YouTube. Yeah, but did he, like, uh, keep hitting enter 57 times? Know. So you had to scroll down. Uh... 
Yes, that's like on uh, on Instagram. Spoiler alert! Enter, 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 enter. This picture <laughs> spoils everything. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, Michael Bradley replied here, and he says, "I really enjoyed Preacher too. This was the first Vertigo book I've bought. I refuse to begin Sandman until I can borrow the first couple of trades from somebody, and it was a really good choice, I think." Now here. This is very this is what we want to see here. He says the letters column at the end rather scared me, though. I don't see how the babbling idiot who wrote the column that's Garth Ennis would possibly be the same person who wrote the comic. Anybody else get that impression? Of course, I've seen Ennis referred to as a hack around here before, but Preacher certainly didn't seem to be written by one. The gratuitous vampire needs to be explained, though. And uh, we like I said, we really need to see that letter column. Right. Um, Right. From the sound of it, Garth really goes off on the politically correct crowd here. Um, now, Usenetter Todd Verbeek. Now, if you are familiar with the old Usenet comics forums here, Todd Verbeek is a name you'll see a lot. He's a very prolific Usenetter. He says, when a person whines so shrilly about the whining of the politically correct crowd, it does show that he's missing the point a little. So, uh, yeah, Ennis, uh, I guess he had some words for the PC crowd here, and we'll talk a little bit more about that right now. Because Brad chimes in and he says, geez, I thought his writing in the letter column was the best part of the book. Not that the story was bad, mind you. In fact, the dialogue, and it's a strong point as far as I'm concerned, is just as good as anything he did in, pre- in Hellbreath, Hellblazer, Hellblazer, not Preacher. This is Preacher. But I'd say the story itself left, it left me sitting on the fence. This whole angels and devils and the Santa killers all battling for control of the world kind of bores me. The other two main characters are much more interesting than the preacher himself, though I have my worries about the Irish uh, because they're normal. This is the same reason why I don't like Shade, I guess, and I'm guessing he means Shade, the changing man. Mm-hmm. P.S. Would somebody please give me an email address for DC Vertigo Preacher? I'd love to get my hands on one of them nifty scripts. And uh, Brad, if you get one or you've gotten one, please let us know. We want to see that as well. Now, uh, Christopher Crane realizes this is a preacher thread. And he says, hey, this seems to be the preacher thread, so I'll put in my two cents. Frankly, I liked it a lot. I really liked, I really enjoyed Garth's work on the late lamented demon book. Hey, how about the, how about an Etrigan appearance in Preacher? Well, I hope not. And Preacher does seem to be more of the same, just without the code strictures. Plus, Steve Dillon's art was fantastic. Very realistic. Teeth and all. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't say that. Uh, the Saint the Killers and his other supporting characters seem to be quite interesting. Hell, I even like the semi-rambling letters column. What can I say? I thought the book was great. Just my opinion. Now, Asher Green wraps us up. Says, I got a kick out of the story. I like the creative team on Hellblazer, so I picked up Preacher out of curiosity. Looks like it might be fun. I got a little disappointed with the number of the vertical titles that try to be cheap imitations of Sandman or to rehash the more run on Swamp Thing, but Preacher looks a little more free, kind of like Jonah Hex books put out recently. And um, you saw something with a uh, Mr. Lansdale, right, who did the, uh, who did the what was it, a pre or the, uh, the lead in to the Preacher trade, right? Yeah, he wrote the forward That's on the, the first Preacher trade. And apparently Garth Ennis was a fan of his work, um, yeah. the Jonah Hex books. He did a few series for Vertigo. Uh, I like Jonah Hex a lot. These series, uh, not so much. They were very bizarre and out there, so I can see where there might be even, I don't know, like a hint of influence there. Gotcha. But it just seems like there was a mutual admiration uh, going on there between Ennis and Lansdale. Yeah. Now, Lansdale also was a novelist who hmm. had written stories prior to comics, so – Maybe there's even more of a connection there than uh, I'm aware of. That's very possible. That's very possible. 
Now we have our first actual internet review, and it's uh, appropriately titled Pretentious Reviews Ooh. by Andrew Salmond and Mishka Ahrens. Ooh, tag team. This, yeah, this was March 22nd, 1995 at 9.24 p.m. and 50 seconds. Now, this is a, a review team. They each do their take, and they actually do a out of 10 rating thing, which is going to be interesting. Now, Andrew says, well, my first reaction when I heard this was, hmm, Preacher, what an appropriate name for a Garth Ennis book. Preacher is at the top of my list of writers who are very talented and are capable of really great things, so where the hell are they? This book is pretty much what I expected. Steve Dillon's art is quite solid, and the Glenn Fabry cover is nice. The writing's okay, although with some pretty familiar ideas, the divine crossbreeding, etc., it's easy to see that Ennis's patent anti-authority moral sledgehammer is going to be used in full force. Sigh. I wish he'd concentrate on telling good stories as opposed to giving everyone the finger. Oh, the letters column is in the back is hilarious, though. On a scale of 1 to 10, this one gets a 6.5. Okay. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, yeah. 6.5. Okay, now Mishka says, I concur. The supporting cast aren't too hot. Tulip is boring and Cassidy is a cliche, though his kind must appear in Vertigo according to some unwritten rule. I guess vampires are a thing. He pr- he'll probably turn out to be a lesbian. Looks gr- interesting otherwise. Uh, now, this one, uh, Mishka gives it a 6 out of 10, minus heaps for all the cliches. Oh. You ain't getting retweeted. Yeah, you ain't yeah. getting retweeted, Mishka. <laughs> Come on. No, no, retweet. You're getting brigaded. Yeah, she like, that's the thing. It was just like the the other one was six point five. This one's like screw the point five. Yeah, it stinks. I'm giving it a six. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's wild. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there was middle ground back in the day. Yeah, can you believe it? Isn't that yeah, something yeah. else? And I, you know, I know you were trying to allude to this, so so mm-hmm. let me rant about it for a sure. second. Permit me, my friend, please <laughs> tolerate the fact that nothing drives me crazier. Mm-hmm. Than the 10 out of 10 culture that oh, we live in, in the mm-hmm. comics book, comics books, in the <laughs> comic book uh, world uh, on the web, mm-hmm. where people don't get paid to write anymore, right? Yeah. All we get are comps, things That's that it. we can read for free. So nobody wants to piss off the publisher. So, of course, to keep the free comics coming in digitally and to be able to tag a creator in your tweets and Instagram posts, mm-hmm. you got to love the living hell out of every damn thing you read. Exactly. Oh, exactly. God. I'm going to mm-hmm. vomit all over something. Give me something you, to vomit on. And then if you find out that uh, the person that you gave a 10 out of 10 to said something that you don't politically agree with, um, suddenly that, 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 that always sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that was garbage from the start. The Zero out of 10. Ever. Zero yeah. out of ten. Bury uh, next son of a bitch. Yeah, Bury him. Where he'll no longer be found. <laughs> uh, next, we got Chris Day's Alternative Comics Review from March 28, 1995 at uh, 3.50 p.m. and 40 seconds. And he says, if The Invisibles is Grant Morrison recreating the Doom Patrol as a creator-owned book, then this is certainly Ennis redoing Hellblazer. Cigarettes, strong women, angels and demons in love, the wrath of heaven, at least one Englishman, and bastards galore. And if people hated the first few issues of... Con- of Eight of the few issues of Constantine in America from last year, they're going to detest this. Yet another Brit trying to write the good old U.S. of A. with only with only Leone westerns and or Leone, right? Is it Leone westerns? Stop asking me. Sorry. sorry. Stop doing that. <laughs> I think it's Leone. A westerns and a Jim Thompson novel as background material. Yes. So, yeah. Well, let's let's correct Mr. Chris Day here. Yeah. 
uh, all these years later because it's actually an Irishman. All right. Yeah, I can totally understand good. not recognizing an accent in mm-hmm. a word balloon, but still sucking mm-hmm. Chris Day. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, Cassidy actually isn't a very popular Irish last name, believe it or not, because that's why I went to that website, because um, there was a joke in an issue of Marauders, one of the uh, current year X-Men books here, where somebody had uh, Banshee's name in their phone, Sean Cassidy. And it's like uh, he asked Siri or whoever his AI was to dial Sean Cassidy. And it said, you have like 55 people with this name in your phone. So I took that to mean Cassidy is a very, very widely, you know, a widely used Irish name. So I went to an Irish name website and Cassidy is even below Sheehan. So, uh, wow. And, and nobody would say I have a very common name. So there you go. Can so I ask yeah, you Cassidy. a question real quick before we uh, continue with any Irish people's names or what have sure. you? I find it really interesting here that mm-hmm. with all these posts and, and to let the listeners know, you compile these for us. Mm-hmm. You are a trooper, but the time, the time stamps on these, mm-hmm. what are we supposed to make of them? Hmm. Like when they posted, because we, now we know this person posted in the wee hours of the night or this person sure. posted uh, during the day. Should we think like they're functioning adults or maybe uh, <laughs> they don't have uh, any career prospects or, you know, I mean, what what can you assess from a human being? But what time they were uh, online ranting about a comic book on an yeah, old message know. board? And it just makes me reflect back to when I would uh, used to, you know read comics in the middle of the night or something i don't know uh were you posting at 2 49 37 in the a.m i may have once or twice I, I really don't know but it is it is very interesting especially when we think about uh the current you know social media thing where there are, are algorithms and you have to post at a certain time to get the most exposure you know when certain people are you know when like the bulk of your followers are online and stuff like yeah. that here, I mean, we're jumping all over the time here. It's just there wasn't much out there. I mean, there. Wow. When I searched for when I searched for preacher in 1995, there were not. I mean, you look at your timeline on Twitter for the last hour. There's probably 15, 20 times as many tweets than there were posts about preacher uh, back in 1995. It's it's weird. So I, I guess maybe they just posted them whenever. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some people are just creatures of the night. They could be. They, they were goth night kids. Yeah. Well, you're thinking night shift. I'm thinking like goth kids with like jinko jeans and chains. And, uh, <laughs> Saying Bloody Mary into the mirror three times. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, they you of you. you know, Candyman is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's true. Listen and, to Cure. The, the Crow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, The Crow. Onions <laughs> make me fart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, I bring that line up because I went to go see The Crow. Uh-huh. This is how old I am, right? We already said I'm 43 years old, but I went to go see that in the, in the movie theaters with my buddy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's like a miraculous uh, timing uh-huh. right when they said that line in the movie. Spoiler alert, they said the line in the movie. He <laughs> farted in the theater. Oh, and the whole theater started laughing their ass off. And I'm sitting next to him. I'm offended. I'm like pissed off. I'm <laughs> sure. like, all those fart molecules are going up my nostrils, dude. Whoa. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm trying to enjoy a movie here. But I mean, yeah, I guess as far as comedic timing goes, it doesn't get any better than that. It does not get any better. That's 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 divine intervention. You for farted sure. at 3.47.22 p.m. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the movie theater that day. Oh, boy. Uh, our man Chris Day continues. He says, uh, 
but it's so fun. Since he doesn't have to keep the character around for others, Ennis can make this group, a possessed priest, his ex, and a vampire, as evil and as manipulative as he wants. He can make the Americans as stereotypical as he wants, and he can have as much fun along the way as he wants. Clean art by Dylan and a beautiful cover by Glenn Fabry are what, we, what we've come to expect. While Morrison will always be working under the shadow of his amazing first few years on DP, that's Doom Patrol, nothing nothing gross, he, I think Ennis is going to have the freedom to get away with much more than he did on Constantine, 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 and uh, we get to go along for the ride. So, uh, yeah, Chris Day was a fan. Uh, he just uh, thinks it might be a little derivative, I guess. Now, finally, we have Charles Seaton, who was a bit late to the party. He came in a month or two months, almost two months later. Now, this one, I'm not sure we have an accurate timestamp here. It was April 24th, 1995 at midnight. So zero, 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 zero. So probably that might just be a defaulted uh, time there. Now, he says it was a it was a lot of rather boring violence drawn badly. The Southern cliches were not as clever as they were offensive and not as offensive as they were unfunny. But the most pathetic thing about this is such a blatant attempt to be offensive. Like a five-year-old banging on a metal pot, it's done for no artistic purpose but to annoy. The artist draws everyone like mannequins with horse faces. And if all three characters were killed off in the third issue, I'd be happy. But it does win the award for the most gratuitous overuse of the F-word I've read all year. Now, we read that one basically so we could pose a question here. Question to the listeners, question question to us. Was Preacher Number One a book that was looking to offend, or conversely, was it one that just didn't care if it did offend? What say you? Well, I think it's a great question. Uh, I'm inclined to say no in regards to looking to offend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say I wouldn't understand others taking that view Mm -hmm. with the religious connection and racial slurs. Uh, They're pearl clutchers for sure, but Mm -hmm. it's not. And this is kind of how I rate it. It's not too shock jockey, if you know what I mean. Okay. And maybe it's due to all the chain smoking, but <laughs> I would look to something like, and this is a very dated reference, but we're full of those. We got mm-hmm. we got drinking games all over this show. Let me tell Big you. Bingo uh, cards for, even. <laughs> right. But for those who remember the Morton Downey Jr. show, you remember Morton Downey oh, Jr.? Oh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. there's a program where the host was just this loud, obnoxious jerk, and he's just spewing bile out into the universe for ratings. Oh, yeah. So ultimately, not so different from the current state of TV. True. <laughs> but still here. While provocative, Preacher is it's weaving together a narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As outlandish as the concept and characters may be, Garth Ennis actually plants their personalities in some realistic soil, albeit mm-hmm. some of the seeds may be stereotypical. Sure. Now – did the creators not care that it was offensive to some folks? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think this. I think one of the previous Usenet pers- uh, personalities there. I call them a personality instead of a person. Yeah. Because again, I'm thinking they they hang upside down uh, like bats. But mm-hmm. it, talking about giving the, the the middle fingers, right? Yeah. Oh, that's here. That's punk rock, man. Sure. You know. So I I, I could feel that. Well, how about you? Can, well, I I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it was looking to offend, but I can. It's like I can almost appreciate the uh, the opinion that it was like uh, I can see someone taking this as like, how did they put it here as a, as an as a little kid clanging pans or something like that. It's I think you could perceive it as having a uh, look at me, look at me sort of a sort, sort uh, of a feel. Right. I don't think that was the case necessarily. It certainly, you know, has elements of being pr- provocative, of course, and it does 
like you said, it, it, they don't care if it offends, you know. So if you are of a religious bent, if you do have certain beliefs, if you do have certain points of view and they contrast with the story here or they're satirized in the story here, well, they're not looking to offend you. They just don't care if it does, you know. Um, and I mean, that could be a commentary on just comics in general here that, you know, People who are offended by things are going to be offended by things anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be there could be a sign advertising that eggs are 89 cents at the, the grocery store, and that's going to offend somebody, you know? And something as mundane and as uh, just uh, benign as that, somebody's going to take that the wrong way. It's, it's hard to – like, where do you draw the line? You know, this is going to be an edgy book. That we know right off the bat. It's going to be tackling some sensitive um, information, some sensitive topics and concepts, and it's going to question things. And it might it might ask some inconvenient questions. It may ask you things that uh, that you don't want to think about. It's like uh, uh, Karen Berger said: these are the things that we might think about, we just don't want to say. And I mean, maybe I'm over romanticizing it, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I fall in there with thinking that, uh, like you said, it doesn't care if it if it offends. I don't know that they're necessarily being, you know, petulant brats trying to tick off everybody and trying to get uh, people to march on Washington <laughs> over their work. But uh, then again, we haven't read the uh, that text page yet, so who knows what that yeah. thing says? Maybe we'll get a better, maybe we'll get a better point of view on that. Um, but I mean, I could definitely see someone thinking. That I, I couldn't say that uh, – what's this guy's name? Charles. I couldn't say that Charles is wrong with his opinion here because I, I, you could see it that way. I just yeah. I just don't think we do. It's just the look at me, look at me. Uh, maybe it's because we're so many years removed. I almost could forget. Be. Like where, where was it? The look at me – wizard. Wizard, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, right? That was our source for – for everything. Uh, sure. How else would we know that Peter David was the top five writer out That's of the top true. ten? Top well, you three. Know, top three. He was mm-hmm. number three. Yeah. Wow. But uh, but you get my drift. Like now we we live in the now, right? So it's we, so easy to to. The associate. now was five minutes ago. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. yeah. So. And I'm also a little shocked there wasn't more fanfare about it with groups being offended by it with religious groups wanting to burn this son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Because that's one thing I did. uh, I continued looking for um, all sorts of news items in 1995. I I tried every sort of combination, Ennis, Dylan, uh, Preacher, Vertigo, DC. I couldn't find any news on people reacting to this poorly. That could just be that, uh, you know, comics were comics were comics back then. You know, where now, I mean, Preacher was a TV show. Is it still a TV show? It was a TV show. It was a TV show. Okay, so yeah. it's not anymore. So people would know what this is. You know, I don't know how far they pushed the envelope on that show. I've never seen it, probably never will. So I don't know how far they went. I don't know if they maybe tempered it down a little bit. I couldn't say. Yeah, you saw like a couple of one, – one episode, right? Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared to talk about that, hmm. but uh, I was not pleased with what I saw, and I had to turn off the show like halfway through. Uh, not happy at all. Mm-hmm. But back to the the, the times there mm-hmm. in the mid '90s, 
you know, we the whole thing here, PC, PC. I remember that being such a buzz too. Like, oh, well, the world's getting too PC, and, mm-hmm. and oh god, uh, they're, they're playing hip hop music during a McDonald's commercial. <laughs> uh, this is offensive, you know. And the more things change, I guess, the more they stay the same. That's right? true. That's uh, true. But I, yeah, I'm I'm frankly shocked that you couldn't find anything online, especially yeah. with your knack of digging these things up. And I can't recall. Uh, anybody uh, freaking out over this book mm-hmm. in particular? And I know no. you just said, oh, well, maybe it's just because it was a comic book. But no, I mean, anybody that is offended by something, they will seek it out. And they will exactly. to try to, like, uh, you know, get their name out there somehow. As a say, crusader. Yeah. Crusader, exactly. To say, <laughs> yeah, we we got to end this. We got to stop this evil. Think We're going to be the children. ones. Yeah. <laughs> Think about the kids. Yeah, this is yeah. this is only three years removed from Hart Fisher's uh, Jeffrey Dahmer comic. Oh wow! And I mean, wow, he was yeah. he was you know torn up on on talk shows and right. Yeah, why the uh, hell wasn't Garth Ennis on Maury Povich? What is yeah, wrong? Why, why didn't Sally Jesse call him? Come on. preacher. Oh Sally. Oh <laughs> Sally Jesse. She looked like the Tweety Bird with some big glasses on. <laughs> she does. That was so nice. Like, what happened to Phil Donahue? I think Phil Donahue's still alive. I would bet he is, yeah. 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 And then Ricky Lake. Remember Ricky Lake broke on the scene? And the funny thing about Ricky Lake was Mm -hmm. uh, she might have been one of those first, uh, what do we call it, like the talk show hosts who really – talk shows used to be about a topic and a subject. And then later on, everybody remembers Jerry Springer just brought it into the gutter and everything else. But I I would contend that Ricky Lake might have started doing that first. I think so. It made it less less – Less like topic of the week sort of stuff, just silly, shocking. Yeah, Yeah, not not so much the tabloid like Springer would become like you know like I I have a you know I like to vomit on this part. It's like you know that kind of weird crap. But uh, yeah, (laughs) Ricky Lake was definitely not like an Oprah or a Donahue. I don't think. No, it wasn't wasn't hard hitting exposés and talking to yeah. But I I I had a crush on Ricky Lake. I can see that. Yeah, she was a cutie patootie back in the day. Oh my, oh my lord! Plus, I was, you know, at the right age. The hormones were raging. It's true. That is true. Like, I love what you, baby. To now? I don't know. I think she lost all of her hair. She got some uh, oh, illness or something. Like alopecia? No, I, I, well, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to it. I just know yeah. she was cute. She's probably still cute. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're listening, Ricky, like, uh, not a very PC up. thing of me to say. No, no, no. You're objective. But I had the hots for Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jenny Jones? Nah, nah, Jenny Jones yeah. is boring. She's a piece of work, though, too. But, yeah, all those old uh, hosts, man. Where mm-hmm. where are they all? Where are they going? Yeah. Don't know. That's our they next should, show. That that should be a reality show right there. There you go. You just gather yeah. all them, put them in a place, and blow that place up. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you just uh, do the thing. Blow that place up. <laughs> I was saying, send them around and uh, say, you don't need to go in the box. I will forgive your sins right now. There you go. your hosts. You don't even need to say them out loud. Yeah, just think. Just think. <laughs> think, think really hard. Ricky, now, uh, think really hard about me. There you go. Now, uh, yes, we do want your guys' thoughts on this, though. Um, what do you think about this issue of Preacher here? Um, does it offend you? Do you think it's out there to offend? We definitely want to know. I think this will be a very fun discussion moving forward. Um, now, we do have the On the Edge column that appeared in the Vertigo books this month because – I went over to the other house where my long boxes are, and I pulled the issue of Shade the Changing Man that came out this very month. So I would have something here for uh, back matter. 
And the On the Edge was actually written by Steve Dillon, the artist on this book. Now, Dillon starts off by complaining about superheroes and how he's happy that DC is throwing so much weight behind Vertigo because he doesn't want to draw superheroes. Of course, he will in years to come, uh, including a extended run on Wolverine Origins. So, And most notably to me, Punisher. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll discuss that at a later date. Yes, yes. Yeah, I have to I have to figure out which I, I don't know how to put my Punisher books in, or, in order because they all have the same cover. <laughs> okay. It's him in front of a brick wall. That's about it. Yeah, over and over again. Tim Bradstreet. Um, now, he describes Preacher as not being a nice book. He says it's full of cheeky attitudes, full-bodied language, and gratuitous claret. Yeah. Claret. Isn't that like a gum to freshen your breath or a spray? Claret? Clarets. No, it, it's – I, oh, I looked this up because I thought maybe it was a like a – like a an English ism, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a, a purplish red wine from Bordeaux. Oh, oh, okay. So it, uh, it has wine, I guess. Uh, unless there's, awesome. yeah, yeah maybe it was a misprint. I don't know. Uh, now he says that it's going to be controversial and it's going to offend people. And this posed me to ask another question here. Now, with as sensitive as people have become, I mean, I mean that's I don't think that's a hot take to suggest that people have become more sensitive in current years. Could this book have been launched in current year from the big two? Yep. Really? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. From DC or Marvel? Well, I mean, are we talking like uh, straight up on a a side imprint like Marvel Knights or – Marvel – sure, Marvel Knights or a uh, Sandman Universe. Yeah. All right, so you're just saying can it just be published today by a major publisher? Yes, and my answer is absolutely yes. I mean, are we thinking like, oh, uh, revisionist history, Preacher didn't exist before? Would it fly today? I, well, that's that's even more interesting because <laughs> Preacher paved the street, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. here for sure. some of these outrageous uh, stories. But I mean, I don't know, man, with a lot of shock and awe being so many writers bread and butter nowadays. Sure. Uh, I, I I think Yes. Okay. Do you think there would be any sort of uh, – since we, we talked about how we didn't find any kind of like any churches or faith groups really having a problem with this back in 1995, mm-hmm. does that change this if this comes out 2021, preacher number one? Do churches and and people with uh, with certain religious beliefs, do they get in on this? Do they start to uh, raise well, raise hell? Well, did they about the TV show, right? We don't know. That I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's so many uh, thanks to the internet ways. But then to... again, we don't know if the we don't know if that show was watered down either. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. I mean, just even knowing the theme going in, mm-hmm. uh, without even having read it. Yeah, but just like the the article pieces you've read with the reviews off Usenet or the mm-hmm. Hero Illustrated there, where yeah. they basically give the synopsis for you. Sure. And it's already kind of like, wow, that sounds a little off the wall, a little uh, sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, but I, I was going to say like with the internet, who knows? Because so many yeah. people just tweet out, they have these anonymous handles. They can say whatever they want to say, but exactly. as far as some, a collective getting together to, uh, make it into something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just yeah. haven't seen it yet, but I don't know. It yeah. could be out there. Could be, could be. Cause I, like, I'm thinking like, uh, like we've seen mobs <laughs> gather yeah. on the internet. Um, uh, there was a uh, an artist not too long ago who drew something controversial and 
was uh you know the the big company was bombarded with fire this person tweets and stuff i don't know if they did or not i didn't follow the story but uh we also had like the the one that i always go back to that batgirl cover with the joker on it mm-hmm. that got it was a variant cover and people banded together and dc pulled it ah the Raphael albuquerque one the right? albuquerque cover yeah, yeah the one that pulled sure, back sure. to uh to killing uh, joke killing joke yeah yeah it was the spider woman cover with her butt up in the air that uh that people got the the milo minara cover people uh-huh. got up on that one even though it was the same exact pose that spider-man had on a cover several times but uh yeah oh, they, hey, got, they, they pulled it so yeah I don't, know. I don't know either people get triggered by different things it's That's uh I, I think the albuquerque cover was cover was an homage uh, it was just I don't a callback. Think, yeah. Yeah, a callback. The you were talking about Joe Bennett or alluding to Joe Bennett a little bit earlier from the Immortal Hulk. He did mm-hmm. get shit canned. He got fired. Oh, he did. Okay. okay. Yeah, Marvel Marvel canned him. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, but I think it's a little weird because like it's different. Like if you were saying something uh, political or offending someone directly, their mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> their religious beliefs, like we're talking about now or something. Or just be being triggered by an image because uh, you'd have to have a specific sensitivity mm-hmm. for that, or at least align with others. Sure. In that belief, like you're talking about the ash cheeks in the air. <laughs> uh, I just think that's a crummy cover. Yeah. I, I I don't look at it and say, oh, this is objectifying women in their buttocks. It's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I've never met a woman who could raise her butt cheeks like that in my life. <laughs> have you ever tried? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See that there's a confession right there. You have tried it and you failed, right? Or did I didn't say it? I failed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm waiting yeah. for the uh, pictures to come back from the uh, from the photo mat. Oh yeah, yeah, you're so fired. Yeah. Rob, Robin We're... Williams is looking at those pictures now. <laughs> oh jeez, that was a good movie one hour photo, but that's also weird because he's dead. I'm triggered. Oh, you're canceled. Oh, Cancel Chris hashtag. And nobody knows me, so it's okay. Yeah, right. There, there you go. <laughs> See, this we could have this whole movement online. No one even knows about it, about uh, Ever giving you the axe. So, true. yeah. It's true. Yeah. Now, um, our man Steve Dillon, he continues here, and uh, he warns uh, sensitive people, people who are sensitive to topics like politics and religion, well, they may want to save their few bucks a month because this one might not be for them. And uh, he even goes as far as to say, hey, you know what? If you read this and it offended you, don't even bother writing letters, which – Dude, don't say that. I want to read these letters. <laughs> don't say that. He says that they'll probably just laugh at those letters. I hope that doesn't dissuade people, though, because I want us to cover those letters, damn it. <laughs> I want us to have people angry. I want us to I want us to run the gamut with reactions as we get into letters pages here. Uh, now, Dylan wraps up by saying he is only offended by three things, and those three things are racism, intolerance, and remarks about his favorite soccer team, and probably the fact that I called it a soccer team instead of a football team. So... There's it's okay. That. You're already canceled. You can say whatever you want now. If you're free. I'm, I'm just gonna, young man. I'm going to call it kick golf. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's kick golf. Yeah. Kick golf. Yeah, you're you're kicking right. a ball into something. You know, so instead of a, instead of using a club, you're. Can we copyright that? Make that into a legit thing? I think we should. Kick it'll golf. Be, it'll be in the Olympics in uh, 2215. Yeah. Let's see, yeah. see if we can make it that far. We'll see if we can do, yeah. Um, we do have, uh, we don't have the Mighty Marvel checklist. We have the Vivacious Vertigo checklist here. And uh, we're just going to list through some of the books here. If any of them trigger anything in you, a uh, memory, uh, let me know. But uh, Preacher, number one. Now, we talked about giving away what's on here. 
exercise 48 page issue jesse custer is a small town uh, public punisher i was going to call him no he's not a punisher he's a preacher yeah sorry about that uh slowly losing his faith until he merges with a supernatural demonic being called genesis now armed with a voice that is instantly obeyed by anyone, he sets out on a strange quest accompanied by his trigger-happy trigger ex-lover and a depraved Irish vampire. Gives it all away. Yep. But, I get, but it, you know, the more I think about it, I mean, how else could you advertise this issue, I guess? Yeah, like, I guess you get a point, yeah. Yeah, it's like Preacher, it's a, it's a guy, with a, guy with, a, uh, with a collar, read it, you know, I mean, <laughs> we say the F word a lot, you know. We uh, we push the envelope. We bang on pots like children. I don't know. And we love smoking butts. It's true. It's true. And we might have talked to John Wayne. Uh, we have Sandman Mystery Theater number 25, which starts a new story arc. Were you a fan of Sandman Mystery Theater? Nope. Me either. Me either. I always thought they looked cool, and I probably have a bunch in my collection. I've never read them, though. These are Matt Wagner, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um Shade the Changing Man number 58, where I got all this information from. Uh, that title limps toward its cancellation because it seems like Peter Milligan didn't want to be there anymore. It uh, it kind of died with uh, in the mid-40s, around issue 50 or so, but for some reason it kept going. I don't know if it was a, a sales winner, but uh, do you have any Shade the Changing Man thoughts? Nope, no, 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 but you got me thinking about that, how <laughs> – uh... Like a series can linger on oh, yeah. past its prime and how we will never, ever – well, I mean, I shouldn't say never, ever see it again because I guess for some folks, some of these series, when they get kicked off right off the bat, this next reboot, relaunch, you're like, jeez, oh, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> how long can this last? Don't worry, people. 25 issues is the maximum. Yep. Yeah, That's it's like it. A, it's like if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. It's, it's, yep. It's, yeah, you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we had Hellblazer number 88. Now, Hellblazer was a title I always wanted to follow and never did. Um, I did. Uh, I actually grabbed a bunch out of that 10-cent bin. Mm-hmm. Never read them, though. But, uh, yeah, do you have any uh, Constantine memories? Oh, my good old pal, pal Constantine. Um, other than fathering or being the uh, the seed providing the seed i'm trying to make this not sound filthy but still make it as dirty as possible uh for tefe holland for swamp things kid um i was never a fan of the solo series Mm -hmm. i never really got into it so other than the appearances in swamp thing i wasn't like oh yeah this guy Mm -hmm. he's he's my bread and butter he's my jam i gotta read his exploits i was like yeah he's good enough in swamp thing yeah so i think that 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 series launched with uh jamie delano Mm. on scripts and uh i'm not a fan of jamie jamie delano i'm finding i i tried grabbing um the first few trades of that and i just i couldn't get past the delano stuff i wanted to get actually to the ennis stuff i mm-hmm. wanted to get to the deadly habits storyline where uh where i guess he has some form of uh throat or lung cancer i believe and uh i think it's you know he smokes all the time so there's that yeah i think it was a michael douglas thing Hmm. Do you remember uh, Michael Douglas said he got uh, throat cancer from cunnilingus? Cunnilingus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, that, uh, we, we actually talked about that in, uh, on Moratory Mondays. And I actually you, had to like, stop. Moratory. Oh, my yeah, God. You I had to stop the recording because yeah. uh, we were laughing so hard because uh, I, I, was, I talked about uh, – we talked about that, and then I mentioned, like, the dentine mouth yeah remember the dentine mouth you kept sure. saying like chew on that yeah <laughs> so it's like michael douglas it's like chew on that 
<laughs> and we both lost it. But uh, yeah, we're laughing again. You see, it's the gift that keeps on giving. This is the jelly yeah. of the month club right here. It's true. It's true. Uh, about, uh, potentially fatal disease from oral sex. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a winner right there. <laughs> Each and every time. This is oh. a mature listeners show here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in the uh, in the loosest way, um, we got Moonshadow number eight of twelve. Uh, I believe this was your man James James Demis. Demi- how do you how do you say his name? Demetrius. How do you really say it though? Demades. Demades. Yeah, it's like uh, someone's like, hey, you hear that new Sade song? I'm like, no, but I, I like that. I like that. Sade. Sade is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you listen to In Excess? Is that is that the same as Inks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ink stinks. What about what about Jodeci? Joe Decky? What? No. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that, that one. That, I remember that Moonshadow uh, first appeared at Epic Comics over at Marvel, and then they just reprinted the whole thing for Vertigo. There so, you go. I think. Good on uh, D Matisse getting a getting a new uh, another paycheck out of it. It's the Jim Croce song, isn't it? I'm being followed by a moon shadow. Yeah. Moon shadow. Named, named Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Yeah. I once met a guy named Leroy Brown, who's this eccentric dude who's mm-hmm. dressed up in a shower curtain and he sold LSD. <laughs> but I think I'll save that for another time because, you know, I, I keep we'll going off there. here. We'll get yeah, there. We'll, we'll get there, sure. Yeah. Remind me. We will talk about Leroy Brown, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Shadowfall, number six of six. I've never heard of Shadowfall before, but uh, it was apparently a thing. Uh, Swamp Thing 153, in which the Nazis win World War II, which makes I, I think we read that somewhere already. <laughs> I think it's also uh, been TV shows and uh, many books yeah. and everything else. Of all these uh, what ifs, the mm-hmm. Nazis won, which is kind of scary. Why why would you even fantasize about that? It's true. What, what do you were you following Swamp Thing at this point? Yeah, I wasn't actually buying it. I was keeping mm-hmm. track of it. It's, okay. You know, at that time it, it was kind of funny because. Uh, I like walk into a comic store and like just pick things up on the rack and and look at them and kind of gauge them where they were. And if I see someone doing that now, mm-hmm. it pisses me off. I'm like, hands off the books, man. <laughs> okay, this isn't a library. This ain't a library. Yeah, get out of here. But it, it's uh, funny because I was turned off previous mm-hmm. to this from the Nancy Collins run. Okay. I really didn't. I didn't like what she was doing at all as a teenager, man. I was like, I'm not. This is not my kind of swamp thing. I'm out. And then uh, here I am now, I think it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So anyway, back to the list. <laughs> what you said there uh, about people picking up the books and not taking them here, I that doesn't bother me so much at the comic shop. But if I'm like if I'm like at a used bookstore or something or even just in the bins and like, you know, like someone will come over to the bins, you'll be looking for something yeah. and they'll just like flip through it with their fingers like like you can't even see what you're looking at. Why are you doing it? You're just in my way now. You're, you're not looking at what you're flipping through. You're just flipping because you walked by the comic rack and that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, I guess that so. bothers me. That bothers me. But and I then, do that sometimes though if I'm in a hurry. Like I'm just like I need to I go really but quick. But you at least look what you're looking at. I try to, but I mean, yeah. I sometimes I do it in like quadrants or chunks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know I gotta go. I got like ten minutes. Like mm-hmm. let me see if anything catches my eye. If it's now, luckily. The half price books I go to got really organized because it oh, used good. to just be a free for all. But mess. now, but now they actually have things labeled like this is supposed to be uh, Justice League, and if it's not Justice League, it's going to be Jays. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, we'll we'll talk about uh, bin etiquette more as we go on here. Oh, sure. I, I think we have uh, very strong feelings on, so yep. we'll, we'll get there. Uh, Animal Man number 82 limps toward its conclusion, which uh, this was the Jerry Prosser, I think, run, and it was not great. Um, I, I've tried getting through this one several times, and I never have. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever have any uh, sort of uh, Animal Man fandom? No, not really. Uh, when the new 52 came around, Animal Man was tied to the Swamp Thing stuff. It was yeah. Jeff Lemire writing it at that time. Yeah. Yep. And the red and all the uh, so the parliaments. So yeah, I, w- I would check that out. And I've got a couple trades of that. But I like the meta Animal Man stuff. I think yeah. it was Grant Morrison, right? Morrison. Oh, I, that that was all not. I wasn't into it. Gotcha. Yeah, that that I love the Morrison stuff. I I loved the uh, Milligan run that came after that. Mm-hmm. Then I think Jamie Delano took over, and I was kind of done. What if uh, Delano changed his last name to Gabagool? Would you be more interested I'm in him then? All over. How do you pronounce? Yeah. How do you how do you order it at a deli though? I forgot. You told me yeah. it was like prosciutto. Capricorn. 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 I'm telling you, my yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Gemini. You're a Capricorn. I am a Capricorn. Hand me, hand me some yeah. Gabagool. <laughs> Do it. We got Jonah Hex, Riders of the Worm, and such. Number two of five, and that's at uh, Lands Lands Lansfield. Lansdale. Lansdale. Well, yeah. Lansdale and. Uh, yeah. It was an we interesting got, take on Jonah Hex, I guess. It was a little bit different. But, I mean, honestly, if you ever come across these in the bins and they're cheap, mm-hmm. buy them. Yeah, because Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex is awesome. Sure. Uh, but don't expect uh, the best stories being told. In, was there, there really worms in it? Yes, there were actual worms in it. Think uh, if you mm-hmm. like Tremors. Oh, the sandworms. You might be interested in something like uh, Riders of the Worm and such. And even his whole run is like a little supernatural Okay. Theme going through it, making it a little bit different. Making it vertigo-y. Yeah. Yeah, you had to, right? You, you had, had to, to vertigo it up. That's mm-hmm. what you had to do. It wasn't uh, just good enough fighting Papagayo anymore. Now you got to have some demons up in this thing and zombies. Demons and worms. Yeah. And worms, yeah. Uh, we got Mobfire 5 of 6. I've never heard of Mobfire before. Me neither. Sounds like a browser. Like a it does. internet browser. It does. Uh, Books of Magic number 12, which um, I'm not familiar with the first run. Uh, Reggie and I did do the most current run a few years ago, and it was not great. Um, all I know about the Books of Magic is that the character in it looks a lot like Harry Potter and actually predated Harry Potter. But Neil Gaiman never said that uh, the woman who wrote Harry Potter stole it from him. Okay. Yeah, there's that. We got... Uh, Ghost Dancing, number two of six. Awesome book. Awesome, incredible yeah. book. These, this book is the exploits of Ray Parker Jr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it cannot be missed. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, I've never heard of this book my entire life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, if only he's singing the that radio song that we like. What was that one where? Uh, very, very scary. Um, where he's talking to a woman basically and says like, you could change your telephone number, you can move, <laughs> but, but I'll find you. Was that but Ray like, Parker? That was yeah Junior? in radio in uh, when he was in the band Radio. Oh yes 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 yes. Yeah. Okay all right now yep refreshed. Yeah that's a that's a get off our lawn days uh, reference there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> for for anybody who doesn't know me me and Chris here used to do some pirate radio back in the day. So if you remember that you're awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're rad. So, and you're listening to us today. We love you. Yeah I think I think it's just Jody. Jody's the only one who will remember that. You got name dropped, so there you go, baby. (laughs) Um, We also have The Invisibles, number eight, which features the Marquis de Sade in present-day California. What do you know about the the Marquis de Sade? Oh, nothing. Mm. 
Absolutely the, nothing. Was he the one with Salo or Salo? Nope. No. 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 I'm just I'm no. I'm just saying no to everything. Okay. No. Okay. Gabagool. Yeah. Well, we don't well, we don't want to talk about Salo in any event here because that's uh that's kind of gross. Uh, we do have some Vertigo events listed for next month, which include Tank Girl, the mis- the movie adaptation. I never seen it. Did you? Yep. Okay. Was that that was a 2000 AD thing first? That we talking about the comic here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know where it was originally. I was never a Tank Girl fan. Me either. Uh, I did not like the style of the art. I did not like the frenetic no. nature of it in the movie. No. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, you know. I might already have a reputation as being this fuddy-duddy, cruddy uh, curmudgeon, I guess. But, jeez, Louise, that movie stunk. <laughs> I, I I always conflate it with that Bob Wyatt movie. I don't know why. I know, they, I know they're probably – they have absolutely nothing in common. But uh, maybe they well, came out around the same yeah, time. Yeah, but here you go. That's why uh, it makes you question why everybody wanted Preacher or that and everybody. That <laughs> one dude was like, can't wait to see this adapted for TV or, yeah. or film. <laughs> It's like, yeah, with with the other uh, standards we had out there, like yeah. Tank Girl and Barbed Wire. Jeez. How can, how can I resist? <laughs> we also have the Endless Gallery, which uh, you you big Sandman fan? No, but I uh, dated a girl back then mm-hmm. who was a goth chick. Okay. So this ties together, and I used to buy her the trades. Really? I, would, really? I wouldn't even crack them open and look at them. I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. But it's all right. You got me laid. There you go. There you yep. go. So I think this is just a, a book full of uh, like cover images or something. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Seems pretty boring. Uh, we have the Sandman Mystery Theater Tarantula trade paperback. We already uh, established that uh, neither of us have read that. So, uh, yeah, that's just for completionist's sake here. So that is the uh, the Vertigo bullpen bulletins, I guess. Um, but we do have some ads here, which were taken from that uh, Shade the Changing Man issue because uh, that's the one we had access to. And uh, the ads here are, uh, it's weird. It's They're very of its day, right? And they're very, I feel like they're very in our wheelhouse. Like for our age, mm-hmm. like this is kind of the stuff that was was where we were at kind of. Um, I mean, the first day we're going to look at is uh, about Beavis and Butthead home videos that you can find at Camelot Music. So, okay. Uh, do, you have, do you have any uh, Beavis and Butthead memories? Uh, well, I guess... Uh... I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I watched Beavis and Butthead as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed MTV's animated features at the time, like Liquid te- uh, Television. Oh, I love that stuff. Oh, did you like the Aeon Flux and, and it, what it, have It always you? felt like uh, it felt like stuff that we shouldn't be seeing. You know, yeah. it's like that kind of show where it's like you're you're watching something you shouldn't see, and it was just so weird and so random. And this was back before like random humor was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like, oh, you know, look at me, look at how wacky I am. This was just like weird stuff, like the yeah. stuff that you wouldn't imagine you'd like you, you'd never watch a show called this, but here it is, it's there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, get your shot glasses ready. But nowadays, mm-hmm. all these uh, cartoons. And I mentioned earlier, I got a young kid, so I I sit through a bunch of them. They're sure. very meta, you know. What I mean, a lot of the jokes mm-hmm. are for adults. It's uh, yeah. It wasn't like that when we were kids. It wasn't GI Joe. Yeah. shooting lasers and saying gags that the adults would enjoy while the well the kids are like wow look colors people sure, are not bleeding sure. but they're dying <laughs> uh you know what i mean so but i i do remember this show i had the vhs was called the head do you remember the head i do remember the head the alien living inside the dude's brain he just want to like yeah. go on dates and live a normal life and he has he's a got this, gigantic head yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, totally. It's like Eddie Brock and Venom. Mm-hmm. You know, or yeah. something like that, I guess. But uh, anyway, maybe the music got too loud because I got no nostalgic <laughs> need <laughs> to watch Beavis and Butthead ever again. I, I don't own any paraphernalia. No, none of that. I just and thankfully and hopefully none of us, neither of us rather will do any kind of imitations or cackles or. No, no, certainly any, not. Uh, dynamite up a frog's butt. No, no, certainly not. Uh, I hear they're bringing Beavis and Butthead back, and I couldn't imagine what that would be like in current year. Everything's back. Punky Brewster was back, been canceled. That got canned, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, Saved by the Bells. Uh, what was my wife showing me last night? Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, is coming back. She's uh, still a teenager? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> she's got teenagers of her own. Fuller mm-hmm. House and everything else. So, yeah, it's mm. all bell-bottom pants, people. Totally, totally. Yeah, I don't know what they would do. I mean, part of Beavis and Butthead was them watching music videos. Yep. That was it, man. That was like the Did Mystery Science 3K uh, yeah, totally. style uh, critiquing what was on Infernia there. Yeah. yeah, so who are they appealing to? Because that was a very specific very point of the time. time. Yeah. The same greasy-ass kid wearing the Metallica shirt every day <laughs> in ninth grade, he's now like an insurance adjuster. Mm-hmm. Or something, you know what I mean? Wearing sweater vests. So what the hell does he, you know? Yeah. He's not Cornholio anymore. He's corporate. He's not. He is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> corporate, not Cornholio. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Vampire Diary: The Embrace by Robert Weinberg here, which, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the goth kids will read uh, these Vertigo books. Oh yeah. And uh, someone up in Usenet said that vampires have to appear in in Vertigo books. So here's a novel by uh, future cable writer Robert Weinberg about vampires. Or Vampire Diaries. Um, now, the alternative sound is alive and well, I'll have you know. You know where it's alive and well? Uh, no, please inform me. At Musicland and Sam Goody. Ooh. Yeah, you could. And, you know, I was expecting these, because um, they list a couple of CDs here. Because this is a, uh, of course, this is a music ad, an alternative music ad. We got the Stone Roses, Second Coming. And mm-hmm. I was expecting these CD prices to be quite a bit higher than they actually were, because the Stone Roses CD is uh, $12.99, and Rancid Let's Go is $11.99. Mm. I remember CDs being like 20 bucks or more. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like the, the VHS. Especially at the mall. Especially yeah, the, at the mall. Right, and then the VHS boom, you'd be like, yeah, if you don't rent it, or if you lose mm-hmm. it, it's going to be 100 bucks. Oh, yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking about? You out of your mind? And I didn't have no Sam Goodies or mm. uh, Musicland. We had strawberries, mm. which could be easily confused with a strip club, but it wasn't. It was a place you go for <laughs> for, for uh, tapes and CDs. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, you have any uh, you have any memories of uh, of grabbing physical media music think, uh, on discs? Yeah. Well, I was a <laughs> I was a big music fan being a teenager back then. But I think my fondest memory. Mm-hmm. Maybe all the woodland creatures forced to relocate from their homes mm-hmm. just so there was enough cardboard for the case on the newest Kenny Rogers release. <laughs> and if you remember, Chris, no, seriously, <laughs> this this was actually a fairly uh, sizable debate of the day, <laughs> this whole excessive, environmentally wasteful packaging. And so much so there was even a, a ban the box campaign and they got phased out, I think, back in 1993. Mm-hmm. Now, coincidentally. These uh, wasteful boxes were known as long boxes. Hey, now. So there you go, all those comic fans listening out there. Time to switch your collection over to jewel cases. <laughs> oh, wait. 
Uh-oh. Oh God, we, we did do that, didn't we? Uh-oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. We grade them now, don't we? We do. We yeah, do. Well, we they sell. do. Yeah, they yeah, not we. Not <laughs> the royal we. Uh yeah. So now they, they don't fit in the long boxes anymore. But that's that's a nice little uh tidbit, right? Long boxes were uh destroying the earth and uh destroying marriages. It's true. If you were a comic book fan, so it's true, it's very true. Yeah, if folks uh-huh. don't remember these tall like it, it, like the C D would be in a jewel case like up towards the top of this like big long rectangle, and yeah. most of it would just be like empty cardboard, just so they uh Maybe they didn't have the right racks for them. I don't know. But uh, yeah. it doesn't seem like a uh, – maybe they didn't want to scratch up the uh, jewel case. I, I have really, no idea. It didn't make any they, sense whatsoever. They seem like they have absolutely no purpose. No. Yeah, I remember but, I used to buy them, and then I cut, like, the uh, art out and hang it up on my wall. I could see that as a as a use for it. But, yeah, yeah. other than that, I just don't know. It still ended up in the garbage. Sure. Yeah, so, and I wasn't recycling. It was 1992. Yeah. <laughs> it's recycling in nine. What kind of hippy dippy tree loving yeah. son of a gun is recycling back in 1992? Yeah, we're not we're not on a TV show or nothing. That's no. Not but I mean, it was a big deal. Like even it some was. artists were were complaining. Like, don't sell my my record or my CD rather in these boxes. Yeah, don't yeah. do it. You're destroying uh, mother mother Gaia. Is that how you say Gaia? Gaia. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll go with okay. that. Do you remember what was your what was your first CD? Ooh, oh, I'm making noises as I try mm-hmm. to think, grunting <laughs> like a caveman. Well, the first one I can remember mm-hmm. was uh, Danzig. Okay, Mother. Uh, well, that that album, mm-hmm. and uh, I, yet again, I remember cutting out the image of the Danzig skull and hanging it up on my wall and thinking I was complete. Bad ass. <laughs> that was also my first concert was Glenn Danzig. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I can't think of anyone before that because, I mean, realistically, like, uh, I didn't have much of an identity until I got into, like, metal and stuff. I was like – I remember uh, my my aunt who was into hard rock. She was – she's only, like, seven years older than me. Okay. And she asked me – I was probably, like, 10, 11 years old. Like, whoa, what's your favorite song? What kind of music do you like? And I was like um, – Oh, what was that that commercial? Say the word, Farfig Nugan. Oh, the Volkswagen. Say the word. Yeah, the Volkswagen. I was like, I don't know. So I just said like a Volkswagen commercial because <laughs> I didn't know it was cool. Well, then you I were right. Glenn Danzig. He turned me over to the devil. Mm. Glenn Danzig, <laughs> who uh, who actually uh, went into comics publication with Veridic and uh, and brought uh, and teamed up with Hart Fisher in the uh, probably around now in 1995-ish. There you go. Please tell I'm me your first uh, CD was like Yacht Rock. Balance. I wish. Balance the ledger. Wish. I wish, but it was not. Um, uh, you know, uh, when you were young, when you were a kid in the 90s, um, and people who knew you knew that uh, you were the comic book person, and they didn't know what to get you because they don't know what comic books are or even that they <laughs> were still being published. I was going to end badly. The Batman Forever soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, is that the one with Kiss from a Rose on it? Yes. Oh, yeah. The U2 yeah. song, uh, Kiss Me, Kill Me, yeah. Thrill Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, yeah. or whatever, not it was in like that particular a, order. Yeah, one of those. Uh, what is it? I remember there was a cartoon music video for it. Um, yeah. Kiss from a Rose was on it. Uh, I think there was like a PJ Harvey song. Um, Jesus and the Mary Chain was on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just uh, not a great album. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple bangers on there. A couple. couple, uh, couple. Yeah. But I mean, if you were into that and someone's like, yeah, 
I know exactly. And yet again, here's another topic that we need to touch on later down the road. Oh, yeah. But the whole, I don't know what to get that person. Oh, they like comics? Mm -hmm. Let me buy them the crappiest thing I could find, but it features a comic book character. Yeah, I I think I was just happy it wasn't Wolverine Blues that I got from Entombed. Oh, yeah. I have that album. Do you? Yeah, well, not anymore. No, oh. I gave up all my physical CDs. I'm, gotcha. I, one time during a move, I'm like, oh, I, got all, I can download all this stuff. <laughs> Hello, future. <laughs> and I gave away all my, my CDs and stuff, which a couple of them I still regret because they were kind of rare. Sure. But, I mean, overall, it was, like, freeing. It was, I don't have to carry all this crap with me anymore. <laughs> Holy cow. I, I go the other way. Um, I actually uh, I put all my CDs in, like, a binder, you know, and I had them in my car. Oh. And my car got broken into. Oh, no. So I had like something like 115 CDs stolen. I still haven't thrown out the jewel cases. They're still in my, well, at the other house, in the garage right now. So I can't throw them out. I don't know why. You just like pull out the lyric sheets or the, the, the yeah, gate I, folds. And just I, just, them I, look at, I look at Weezer and I cry. I don't know. It's a, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's I'm, weird. I'm, That's border-esque. You know that, right? I'm on the border. Yeah, I'm on the borderline, I'm sure. There's yeah. no reason to keep those jewel cases anymore. Hell, None. even the, the cases alone, you could chuck those and just keep. Keep the paper. The paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And fit them into an envelope or something. But, yeah, no. Oh. No, it's uh, – I'm, I'm a sad, sad fellow. It's <laughs> it's it's busy up in my head, I guess. Um, yeah. But, yeah, those are CDs. We <laughs> want to hear your guys' uh, first CDs as well, if, uh, mm, if anybody please. wants to chime in. And uh, if you remember these gigantic boxes – or I guess they're not gigantic, but very large boxes – we want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, we do have an ad for the Big Book of Weirdos from Paradox Press. Do you have any familiarity? Fami- easier for me to say familiarity with big books. No, this is becoming a trend. Dave, what do you remember about this? <laughs> Nothing. It was 1995. Damn it. Pass the bongs. That's what am I supposed to keep, know? Keep going to that. Yeah. Hey, Leroy Brown. Yeah. Get me give that, me that shower curtain. <laughs> me no, the keep the shower curtain on. Give me the LSD. <laughs> Five hits triple dip white blotter right here. I'll get my paradox mm-hmm. press all over the place. There you go. You'll you'll have you'll see you'll be uh, intrinsically connected to the big book of weirdos after yeah. that. Pink elephants for everybody, baby. Mm-hmm. I, I have a couple of the big book ofs that I think I got at a uh, probably at a half price books in a clearance bin because ain't nobody else buying paradox press crap, especially not now. Except mm-hmm. you know, Reggie and I did an episode on paradox press, so I have a weird fondness for it. But uh, the final ad we have here is for uh, a, a show that I always wanted to watch and I never really got to, The Tales from the Crypt on HBO. Mm-hmm. So uh, are you a fan of uh, of this program? No, I didn't have HBO. Same here. Uh, when I was young, so it never really got stuck to my psyche. The, mm-hmm. the Crypt Keeper was uh, freaky. Iconic, yeah. Iconic and, yeah, you know. Big ups to the comics and EC and everything and, sure. and, and Mr. Gaines and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I remember they had like a movie back then. It was like Demon Knight. And of course, I was okay. in Glenn yeah. Danzig. Remember, I was I was cool, mm-hmm. totally. super cool. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, this is all right movie. But I have like Beavis and Butthead. Don't even if you <laughs> ask me like, hey, man, you want to watch Demon Knight? I'd be like, that's probably the last thing I'd ever <laughs> want to do. Like. Torch, can you waterboard me, please? Yes, please, twice. Yeah, yeah I, I I always wanted to watch it, and I remember friends at school would talk about it, like it was like one of the coolest things ever. And 
Like the only time I'd get to see it was like at sleepovers, but mm-hmm. during a sleepover, we wouldn't have any interest in watching an episode of Tales from the Crypt. So we like would just wouldn't. We'd be playing a video game or something. So I just never really got to see it. Um, I don't know that it actually uh, had the longevity of like the other sort of horror anthologies that came before it. Things like uh, Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Outer Limits, Night Gallery, stuff like that. Do you have any memories of those programs? I've actually uh, been more into Twilight Zone now mm-hmm. than ever in my life. I think when you're young and you see things in like black and white, you're like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. A little bit of uh, disconnect, yeah. It's, it's the same application of what I was discussing earlier where people, we don't care about where something came from. We only care about what's existing right now mm-hmm. uh, relating to yeah, some comic titles paving the way for having an outrageous storyline or music sure. even. It's like, oh, well, this spawned from jazz. Like the, yeah. the person who wrote this, like, do you like jazz? No, I don't give a fuck about jazz. <laughs> uh, but you get my drift there. Sure, sure. Um, but no, you know what? The the big thing was is I remember they made the Twilight Zone movie and John Lithgow mm-hmm. did the I forget the name of the episode because it's originally William Shatner, but I didn't know oh, that at the, the time. Oh, the the thing on the wing, right? Or yes, the, he's in the plane. The something he's, at something feet. Yeah, terror yes. at something feet. Ten thousand yeah. feet, thirty, yeah. whatever, whatever you know increment. But uh, I remember that being so freaky, man. I was oh, like, yeah. that, that is scary as hell. And I didn't know at the time it, it was adapted. Gotcha. from the TV show. So, but that was scary. But yeah, no, I, I was never in love with that kind of stuff. And now I'm enjoying more anthology series type things. I mentioned I like Jonah Hex. That's mm-hmm. something that was, I like standalone things where I can just pick up and go. Sure. I don't need to be bogged down with continuity. Uh, mm-hmm. There's usually a message implanted in there. Mm-hmm. Some chip mm-hmm. in my brain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I like Twilight Zone now in my my older advanced age than ever sure. before yeah, the funny thing is it's fantastic digestible. it resonates yeah 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 they're easy to digest i usually find myself disappointed with them <laughs> like the first 10 minutes is usually setting me up like get my imagination going and then it's like uh whatever the horror anthology uh analog for occam's razor is pops into play and it's like oh okay it's aliens or <laughs> it's, yeah humans are bad all along okay i get it so, yeah, they, they have nice setups for me. But then uh, I still watch them like every Fourth of July or, or uh, New Year's when they put them on the uh, but the marathons and stuff. Yeah, which, sure. Yeah. And that all started back on you know Channel 11 back in New York. So, you know, there's somebody um, listening right now who's like in love with these shows, just thinking we're the biggest posers. <laughs> like, seriously, you guys don't even know the names of this and what have you and That's everything true. else. And yeah, so next, next stop Willoughby. I know that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about Beavis and Butthead. There was actually an episode with a guy named Mr. Beavis in it. So uh, and uh, and I remember I annoyed my wife when we were watching it because like every like every line would end with Mr. Beavis. So then like for the rest of the day, I was saying Mr. Beavis constantly. And she's like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> So the Twilight Zone almost cost me my marriage. So. There you go. Look at that. But yeah, that is the issue of Preacher, and that is our first episode. Um, of course, we want to hear from you guys. But before we get into how you can uh, get a hold of us, how about you uh, plug yourself? Uh, no, I'm going to skip that. I, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't no? want to be that guy. Yeah, you know, I work on stuff. I'm, I'm pretty mm. rad. I do some cool things. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I guess what I will say is uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lava Hog, mm-hmm. 
And I am that dude who's going to have that tweet that no one likes for three decades. So feel free to follow <laughs> me and not like anything I do, anything I say, and go from there. Give the anti-likes, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Or send a DM saying, I like this, but I'm not going to click the heart. Yeah, so. exactly. You know what? I would appreciate that. Yeah. I really would. <laughs> be better than the uh, anonymous uh, it's not really anonymous. i know who they are because mm-hmm. they have a avatar or whatever but please help push my kickstarter over mm-hmm. the limit i get that i'm like who the who are you i don't get it's out of true. here we get those every few days <laughs> yes yeah, but I, I i don't like the whole plugging myself i'm not a personality i'm a person i think i said that earlier so i get a nickel you said it the other way person. around yeah, did i yeah, because uh, you said the Usenetters hang by their feet, so they're just okay. So, there you go. So you're not a Usenetter, is what you're trying to say? No, no, I'm just a <laughs> dork. There you go. Yeah. Um, now you can get a hold of us several different ways here. You can shoot us an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail dot com. Um, there'll be show notes at Chris's on Infinite Earths for this if you want to leave a message there. Um, the Facebook is X Men related, but uh, we'll talk about Preacher there if you want. That's a '90s X Men on Preacher and. We do have the X-Lapsed hotline that you can call in and talk about Preacher if you want. And we will play your recording on the show. That's at 623-396-JERK. And since this is a more mature show, you can take jerk however you want it. It doesn't have to be uh, Whoa. Doesn't have to be played. Yeah. Ho, ho, hachi, nachi. It's true. It's true. We're, we're, we're way out and wild here. We're way out and wild. But um, Speak for yourself. It's true. That's true. Um, now, the archives for this channel are at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And, uh, well, I think that's uh, that's about everything. Uh, he is Dave. I am Chris. And uh, I think that's about all we have to say about Preacher this time. Uh, don't know how often the show will come out. Figure a um, couple times a month, hopefully. Well, I, I, I can say with absolute certainty it will be released at 3.24 dot dot. How many seconds? I don't know. 15. Uh, 15, 15 sounds like AM or PM. Yeah. A, no, this is going to be in the morning. So AM. Okay. Uh, what time zone? Panamanian. I think that's where that'll work. That'll work. Yeah, that that okay. is where most of my listeners come from. I'm just so making that up. Yeah. Let's just do that. <laughs> no, screw the algorithm. Let's release episodes at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Come let's on. Do the thing. We'll do the thing. But, uh, Quite the power. <laughs> but, uh, again, we, we hope to hear from you guys. We hope you enjoyed this, uh, this trip into something a little different for this channel. I know I'm looking forward to uh, experiencing this for the first time and uh, being guided there by a preacher veteran who hasn't read it in quite a while to see how he receives it this time around. So till next time, thank you all so much. And uh, I'll be talking to you again real soon. 